Hello and welcome to another James Bond podcast. On this podcast, we will be watching and lightheartedly reviewing the Bond films. We're going to discuss the good stuff, the bad stuff, the cool stuff, and the ridiculous stuff. I'm Corey, and I'm a James Bond fan. And I'm Danielle, and I'm aware that James Bond is a thing. Get my... Well, we're recording levels. now, so you should stop. <laughs> I don't know. You breathe really hard when you're on the microphone. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. But I don't normally, right? I mean, like, I've been... Most of the time, you're like not even sure if I'm alive. Because I breathe so quietly. I've been noticing it more since we've been <laughs> oh, editing. God. Oh, God. But only if it's really quiet. Okay. <laughs> I was at work the other day. <laughs> I'm going to put a clip in like right now. Then Homer's in church and he's breathing through his nose, or he's yeah he's breathing through his nose and his nose is whistling and he's next <laughs> next to Ned Flanders. Stop it! Breathe through your damn mouth. Um, I was at work the other day, and it was quiet i was in an office and i was like what is making that sound it was the person in the office with me breathing they were just breathing so loudly it almost sounded like something else wow anyway like a nose whistle no there was no whistle i can't do one right now hi everyone welcome back to a new episode of another james bond podcast you did it yeah but i messed it up yeah, well, still. I can fix that. This week, we are going to be discussing Skyfall. Yeah. We went to see Skyfall in Toronto for Operation... Snowfall? Snowfall. I almost said snow job. That's either G.I. <laughs> Joe or Sex in the Snow. I <laughs> Yeah. Operation <clears throat> Snowcone. Yeah. Oh, man, that'll be the, that'll be the next one. Yeah. Uh, if you hear wind howling in the background of our recording or fire crackling, it's because it's because both those things are going on and we have very little control over it. I yeah. mean, we could control the fire, but then the furnace will go off. So it's one or the other. I mean, it's really cold today. We're not doing without heat. What's like what? Minus 20 with wind chill? Yeah. Minus 20 with the wind. And it's super windy upstairs. So yeah. Hunker down with fire and drink and grooming cats. And Skyfall recording. And Skyfall. So here we go. Yep. In Istanbul, MI6 agents James Bond and Eve Moneypenny pursue mercenary Patrice, who has stolen a hard drive containing details of undercover agents. As Bond and Patrice fight atop a moving train, M orders Moneypenny to shoot Patrice despite not having a clear shot. Moneypenny inadvertently hits Bond, who falls into a river. Bond is presumed dead, and Patrice escapes with the knock list. What does it call it on there? Does Hard drive. It... Okay. No gun barrel, mm. which, which is weird. Don't they have it at the end? They do have it at the end. Yeah. Which is weird. I mean, he's he's an agent at the start, and he's kind of not an agent after the credits. It, it, it's just really weird. And I know he's back, and he's back with the vengeance, and he's back as an agent, so maybe that's why they put it at the back, but it's still kind of weird. Yeah, it's strange. They could have just did two, two gun barrels, <laughs> front and back. Why not? Okay. Hmm. So we start off with Bond on a mission immediately. Yeah, he's walking down a weird, dark, sort of unfocused hallway. He goes into a room or an apartment where there's a guy who's in desperate need of medical attention. Yeah, Ronson. 
He decides to stabilize Ronson, but M orders him to leave him, which is... Ron Swanson? <laughs> no, Ron Swanson would just pull the bullet out with his tooth. <laughs> with his single tooth? With his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really, really long day, so... Anyways. Uh, yeah, so we find out that Bond is looking for a hard drive, and M is in his ear telling him leave that other agent you need to get going and bond says i'm just trying to stabilize him she's like no you need to get that list you need to move now and ronson looked in really rough shape and is that sort of disconnect but finding it kind of difficult to gauge what bond's reaction was as he left him because ronson was kind of like you're gonna fucking leave me here and bond was like "Mm, yeah i think it's that situation where you're trying to weigh the greater good. So they're looking for what we will refer to going forward as a knock list. <laughs> of course. Um, which contains the names of a whole bunch of undercover agents. Yeah, like saving the life of one for the life of... How many? However many. So I think he, because that one is in front of him, he has the desire to save him, but he knows deep down that if he doesn't move, so many other people's lives are going to be in danger. So it's probably a tough call for him. Yeah, like you can see it in his... You can hear it in his voice, I guess. I was going to say you can see it in his face. There is something in his face, which is, I'm just it, I'm just not clear on. Oh, this is Daniel Craig's birthday today, by the way. Yeah, happy birthday. He's like 53. Same pretty, age as you. Pretty sure. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure I look older than him, and he's 10 years older than me. So, Anyways, happy birthday, Daniel Craig. I'm sure he listens to this podcast. Absolutely. Definitely. He has listened to every single episode. He actually wrote in saying so. Yep. He funds it. He oddly <laughs> signed off um, on his email, Danny Boy. Is that usually what he does? Yeah. Or just for us? With an H, though. Right. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't Daniel Craig. Hmm. Anyway, let's keep moving. We're moving on. They're going to cancel Latin. His dialogue and his actually his annoyance actually says one thing, but his face sort of provides another. Like, he really is invested in saving Ronson. Like, he wants to stabilize him. And he's getting kind of annoyed at, at M for saying, no, just leave him. But then it's, when he leaves, he's like, I don't know. It's just, I just find it a little strange. I think you would get annoyed at anyone chattering in your ear in that stressful a situation. Yeah, that's true, too. So he follows, what's his name, out into the street, the guy with the knock list. Yeah. Um, and jumps into a vehicle, which is being driven by another agent. Yeah, who we learn later is Money Penny. Much, much later. Yeah, which is really strange when they do that, too. Yeah. We haven't been properly introduced. Come on. It's dumb. They've known each other for months. She shaved your face. She's driving fairly cautiously versus what Bond's approach to driving cautiously is. She smashes the mirror off. and He's like, it's all right. You weren't using it anyway, which I really like. And then she purposely smashes off the other one. Well, he's just being a dick. Like... How many cars did he smash? Did we not just watch a movie where he rolled his car 300 times? I bet both mirrors were smashed off then. Well, with Casino, he rolls it basically as soon as he gets in it. He drives it like a block, I think, in the in the first bit. Then he rolls it after he's looking for Vesper. And then Quantum opens up with him driving. Beating the crap out of a car. Being completely chopped to shit. So, but whatever. So he's not one to talk. Also, he decides that he is taking hold of the wheel. Yeah. Which you hate when I do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. And I scream, Jesus, take the wheel in your ear when I give it a good tug. <laughs> It'd be funny if you said that, like, Jesus, take the wheel, but then you took it. And no, that like, was the point of that, that's what I was trying to say. Without a fake beard, though. 
My hair's long enough. Yeah, I, I definitely have a Jesus length hair. I was thinking like fake beard from like Monty Python when the ladies aren't allowed to be at the stoning and then oh, somebody right. sells them fake beards. <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh, I hate wearing these beards. Why aren't women allowed to go to stonings, Mum? It's written, that's why. Stones, sir? Nah, they got them up there lying around on the ground. Oh, not like these, sir. Look at this. Feel the quality of that. That's craftsmanship, sir. Uh, oh, we'll have uh, two with points and a big flat one. Can I have a flat one, Mum? Shh! Sorry, Dad. Yeah, all right. Two points, uh, two flats and a packet of gravel. Packet of gravel. Should be a good one this afternoon. Yeah. Local boy. Oh, good. Enjoy yourselves. Basically, I think she's being trying to be sort of responsible and not create too much carnage, and he's just like, fuck it, we're not getting anywhere with this. Cuts the wheel, sideswipes it, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, Bond decides to give chase on a moped motorcycle i think yeah pretty sure it was a moped tanner's kind of guiding them in his earpiece too at that point so he's got a visual must be like some kind of satellite tracker thingy bond is up and down stairs on roofs on rooftops going through a bazaar chase 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 did you notice the two times they showed bond's face on a motorcycle it was exactly the same face no they cgi had his face on but it was like there's two different shots, and it's exactly the same face. No expression, just kind of stern looking. And it's, That's his expression, always. Like, it, it looks like him, but there's no movement whatsoever. And you're like, eh, that's not his real face. I mean, I was writing notes, so maybe I didn't notice. Also, I probably wouldn't have noticed anyway. Fair. You cut to Money Penny. I'm pretty sure she hits a yellow Miata, which kind of made me a little sad. I mean, before I get too emotional about it, I should go back and see if it actually was a Miata. I was like, oh, that looks like a Miata. I thought it was a Civic, but okay. <laughs> it wasn't a Civic. You always undermine my car choices. I've got a couple good ones later. Let's keep going. There's not a lot of yellow Honda Civics back in those days, though. He painted it in his garage. Uh, I don't feel like that. He was wanted that. it to look like... Ooh, I almost said something inappropriate. Okay. <laughs> what were you going to say? Nope. I'll edit it out. Nope. I'm still not saying it. <laughs> what? So they get to a train somehow. I didn't take notes. They're on top of a train. Yeah, there's an overpass, basically, and Patrice just says, fuck it, and, and, and jumps. And then Bond decides he's going to ride the motorcycle onto the train, which is kind of weird, because he just drove it directly at the guardrail, and then it magically flipped just so. Don't feel like that's how you get on a train. No, it stops at a platform, and you step on. That's how you well, get on a train. I mean, yeah. Well, or you hear the ding, ding, doors closing, and you run like hell to get on and get stuck between the doors. Most of my past experiences on trains involved tickets and stairs and whatnot next time though definitely getting on via the roof sure good luck with that so he's chasing patrice while patrice is sort of has the lead and, and the, the knock list and the knock list and then bond decides to waste some bullets shooting at patrice without really getting them which is just not very conservative and then bond happens to find another bulletproof excavator which i'm just not sure they're bulletproof i think that was a backhoe <laughs> but um i don't know why this Bond likes heavy equipment so much. I feel like all the other Bonds, I don't think we saw any heavy equipment. Well, no. I mean, Roger drove a truck full of dynamite or something, but... Mm, yeah, but I don't think that would fall under heavy equipment. Maybe like a Class B license, or maybe you would need your air brake license, but not heavy equipment license. I mean, as far as air brake license goes, as long as you don't slam down on the pedal, you're fine. Apparently. Right, but... He has a license to kill. I'm sure he also has his air brake license. License to air brake. The, like, his license is actually, like, 
seven pages long. It's more like a passport for all the licenses it he has. It doesn't does say license to kill class five. Class five. Corrective lenses needed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Roger, there's probably some corrective lenses needed for sure towards the last few years. Maybe. He was proper old. Well, maybe Craig probably got laser. <laughs> maybe. Got lazy. No, I, wait. I, he does wear glasses. Not that, you know, vision impairment is a sign of age necessarily, but... Mm, thank you. I actually <laughs> tried to find glasses today. I was just thinking of Roger with some, like, readers. <laughs> and I was told that because of the style of current glasses, nothing fits my face. Okay. They're like, yeah, we don't really have anything that's going to work for you. Was that your nemesis, though? No, she, she's off. Hmm. Okay. Uh, no, so it wasn't my nemesis. should edit that out. She probably listens. <laughs> Probably doesn't listen to doesn't this. Saban so is shot through the excavator uh, glass. Turns out it's not bulletproof. No, the back apparently was. The front definitely not. So he's yeah he's, he's chasing the guy with a backhoe, gets shot. It's a little Volkswagen Beetle reference. And how much did they pay for that little nanosecond? What? Money. He's knocking Volkswagen Beetles off the train, and Money Penny's dodging. The cars that are falling off. And then M's like, oh. what was that? And she's like, Beatles. And she's like, what? And she's like, BW Beatles. You're like, that's probably a promo. Explain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Bond gets out of the backhoe. Yeah, he runs up the arm of the backhoe. I just want to point out this whole time, too. Money Penny's driving along in that Land Rover, right alongside Patrice, who's not shooting at her, but he's in plane right there. Like, he's out in the open. She's just driving straight along the train. I'm sure she's, you know, she's is on a, is she on a train track? Anyways, she has a shot. He's thirty feet away. She's driving, and he's far. Like, don't make that face. That cannot be an easy shot. I'm pretty sure she's capable of doing it. Well, and here, and, and here's my point true. though: is a lot of people will, a lot of fans in the community will crap on Money Penny for being a shitty agent, which I don't agree with at all. Uh, and I think she probably could have. Taking a shot at him. I'm, at least with a handgun over the wheel. Like, uh, like. I actually have <clears throat> connections with a sniper. Uh-huh. Like, it, no, I actually do. I actually know it. Well, I don't know, but my sister knows a sniper. Okay. In the army, he's a sniper. Right. I will ask her to ask him that question. It's not a sniping question. It's like 30 feet away. She's driving. She probably had a handgun. Oh, sorry. So you're more of an expert than the sniper to answer whether or not this would be a shot that's possible? I feel like that is not the case. Hey, sniper man, could you get in like a bouncy SUV, drive alongside a train and shoot a man off a train? Like, I'm not saying she could have hit him or or whatever, but she could have like shot at him. He's right there. Okay. I just feel like she would have been capable. How many guns have you shot? At least eight. (laughs) We have our gun range episode. I'll have to be like, can we borrow this and drive down the street in my Volkswagen? <laughs> so what is like the liability if we drive by a train and like we'll put just a dummy on the roof and go. try to shoot it off of that? I'm trying to give her more credit. I'm not saying it's her fault. I'm just saying like it would have made sense to write that in that she had. A, I think know. she deserves more credit. I'm just not sure that shot was possible. I think people just get their hackles up because she accidentally shot Bond, so they assume she sucks as an agent. But it's like, well, I she mean, was that's told a- to take a shot that she had already said was not clean. Yep. She knew full well, like any agent in the position would have said that's not a clean shot and been ordered to take it. Maybe someone could have been better and gotten the shot, but I don't think it should be held against her. She said the shot's not clean. I might hit him. I'm not sure. It's a question of so. A being a better shooter. If than anything, that. she's probably way more aware of her abilities than other agents. Yeah. 
Anyway, there is a tunnel. They duck. She gets on an overpass. And that's where that happens, where Bond... Well, they fight for a bit. And there's two things I want to point out. One, Patrice grabs a chain and starts swinging a, bond, a chain. Mm-hmm. There's a, a like a two-foot length of chain sitting on the roof of the cha- of the train. Why is that a thing? Why is there a loose bit of chain sitting oh, up there? now you listen to American Dirt and you are an expert on roofs of trains as well? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But it kind of reminded me of, um, of Moonraker when they're on the cable car and there's all this like crap sitting right. in, in one of the cables. You're like, why is there a fucking chain sitting? Like, it's sloppy just, workers. Yeah. Sloppy CN rail <clears throat> workers. It's just, CP rail? What's around here? Uh, CN rail. Anyways, it just seemed really strange that there was a chain on top of the roof. And then at that moment, too, Bond grabs the, the, the hard drive. Right. That's not what a hard drive looks like. It's a clear... He's got, like, a clear bit of plastic. When they show the laptop earlier, when he's a, a, a talking to Ronson, based, or trying to stabilize Ronson, they cut to the laptop, and it's been basically pulled apart. They just probably just jammed something in and pulled the, the panel back. But a hard drive is like a like an aluminum chunk of metal with a it's a hard drive like it's got a disc in it and everything and then yeah but he whittled the hard drive down to the knock list so that's <laughs> yeah. all that's left yeah I mean if they were gonna refer to it as a knock list it would make more sense than referring it to it as the hard drive because you're like there's no hard drive or involved. like the SD card it's a big fucking SD it's like actually kind of shaped like one of those little mini SD cards yeah anyways I just like wow this is really more of a knock list than a hard drive. And it would have been a nice little nod to their competitors um, so this, over at Mission Impossible. At this point, I'm like, this is the first Mission Impossible movie. So it's an amalgamation. This film is an amalgamation of a, Home Alone and Mission Impossible. There was a train at the end of... Uh, yeah, they're on a train. Don't they rip like the mask off at the end on that one? It's too bad that um, it's too bad that Money Penny wasn't driving or driving, flying a helicopter. Oh, yeah. And there the, should have been like a huge double cross. That's as when the well. propeller got like really close to his face. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the first one. I think it was just the age where like movies were amazing. I really like the first Mission Impossible. Maybe we should just review it at some point because it's a. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, let's do it. And it's very. Actually, fa- let's just screw Skyfall. Yeah, fuck let's just this. talk about it for the rest of the recording. Skyfall, whatever. Uh, Money Penny shoots Bond. The end. So <laughs> Money Penny shoots Bond, and she very br- quickly says, "I don't have a clean shot. I might hit Bond." And then <laughs> Emma's is like, "Take the bloody shot." And they cut to Tanner, and Tanner's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, the, the look on his face. He's like, "He's getting shot." And then dead silence. And then nothing. you see Bond like just falling. Which I think the fall alone probably would have killed him. He fell that was like way. falling off the McKay Bridge. I think it might have been further. I mean, the equivalent in Nova Scotia would be falling off the McKay Bridge. Yeah, maybe. Not the McDonald. That one's less high. Which one? I don't know which one's high. The old bridge is the McDonald. The new one's the McKay. Well, that doesn't help me at all. The old bridge is if you're going downtown Dartmouth, and the new bridge was if you were bringing me to Costco. Wait, old is downtown, new is Costco? Okay. I I can never. I've lived here for almost 20 years. I cannot fucking tell us things well they should have named them something a little like a and b perhaps or bridge one and bridge two like mckay and mcdonald it's just very like similar sounding well nova scotia means new scotland so they're just like really sticking to the scotland thing so we have the mcbridge and the mcbridge too (laughs) 
At work, we have a filing cabinet drawer for mix, like MC, and a filing cabinet drawer for max, M-A-C. So, Wow. I really wish you didn't clarify. You're just like, we have (laughs) filing cabinet for mix? No. And then just leave it. Moving on. (laughs) And a filing cabinet for Mr. Outhouse. (laughs) So, yeah, Bond... uh, Bond's dead. Bond floats, falls. I'm pretty sure... When he's in the actual water, not the credit scene. I'm pretty sure there's air exiting out of the bullet hole. There's like this little trail of air bubbles coming out where he was shot. And are like, huh. That's an interesting detail. They shot him in the lung. It was pretty low. No, I'm not no, an expert on... Doesn't he on... have like a chest shot? No, that's from the excavator. Because remember they said they, they broke ribs or whatever, so they shoot him So where did Money Penny shoot him? Well, she shot him in like the ribular area, I think. And and then Patrice shot him in the so in the chest. So how do you know that they didn't hit him in the lung if she shot him in the ribular area? I mean, a little. Well, I guess your lungs do go kind of low, don't they? I don't well, know how the human one, body doesn't works. Doesn't one side have an extra lobe? Your so heart's on depends. the right, and your lungs are on the left. And your liver's in the middle of your head. I mean, I'm sure someone has a liver in their head. Great credits, though. Right. I like the credits, and I especially love the song. The song is super intense. Um, I liked it as well. So they started playing the song at work about, I don't know, six months after Skyfall came out. Mm -hmm. And I saw Skyfall in the theater. And when I was actually finally able to afford a copy of Skyfall, the movie, they would play it at work all the time. And I'd be like, oh, man, I got to go watch that film. So now that I think about it, I might have actually watched Skyfall more than Quantum because the fucking song would play all the time. Would you just get home from work and watch a Bond film? Yeah, yeah. Pretty regularly? Fairly regularly, yeah. I mean, I didn't have any money, and it was really cheap to do so. Did you want a beer? Sure. Yeah, I wish I had like a little counter on my Blu-ray player that would like tell me which films got played the most so that way I'd have a better idea. It's definitely Casino that I've seen the most. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You're just going in for the hard stuff? Well, I haven't had scotch in a long time. So you and give, this bottle's so, almost so empty. So you give me the beer? You don't drink scotch. I haven't had... Uh, I might drink scotch. I don't know. You don't drink scotch. <laughs> you told me. I'm not trying yeah. to be a dick. You just told me you don't like it. You don't drink scotch. You drink what I tell you to. Uh, can I... You drink a, this beer. I'll have this scotch. Can I make a confession? What? One of the first times you and I ever spoke on the phone, mm-hmm. like this was weeks before we met. Yeah. I got really hammered on Scotch while we were talking. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I didn't want to stop talking? No, that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well. I didn't want you to know I was drunk, so I had to hang up the phone. Okay. When I realized I hadn't had hard liquor in a long time, and I had like Scotch on the rocks, and then I poured like another one. Yeah. And maybe a third, and then, yeah, I was really hammered. Well, I shouldn't say that. I was really drunk for me, which is probably a little drunk for most people. I could drink that. You want my beer? No. You should save it for the bit in the, when they waste, waste a good scotch. I've got, like, two other bottles. We can go all night. We're off tomorrow. <laughs> we do have a lot of hooch in the house, actually. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you wanted to say with the credits other than Adele's song is awesome? A part of me almost wishes like they would just go ahead and contract Adele for the rest of them. I'd be completely fine with that. It's probably not a popular opinion. But she has that really... She's the brassy brassy. She, she could probably do like a really nice 
series of Bond songs. I feel like she has the right amount of intensity without being over the top. It's this weird thing where she this song doesn't sound necessarily 60s, but it has that quality anyways. Well, Adele has that quality. Yeah, but it's kind of a standalone song. You know what I mean? Like it's sure, not, I can it's give not you that. It's not a usual but thing, but it, maybe it's just her personified, I guess. No, I think if you ever listen to an Adele album, it is, I think it, it's not, you would you would change your mind about that. Yeah? Yeah. Well, she probably has her few tunes that are pretty 60s laden and then a few normal songs, I would think. She just has that feel and she obviously has stuff that is maybe more radio friendly, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what we're trying to say here is Adele is a goddess and whoever says differently can fight us about it. Fight you about it. That's fine. <laughs> Anyways, I will, like I said, I would be completely fine if they're like, hey, do you want like a 30-year run on Bond songs? I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, why not? I mean, she is pretty young. No idea. I think she's in her 30s. Oh, okay, there you go. All right. Brassy, brassy. That's not your line. I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Three months later, due to a public inquiry into M's handling of the stolen hard drive, she is pressured to retire by Gareth Mallory, the chairman of the board. He's actually the chairman of the Intelligence and Security Committee of Parliament and a former SAS officer. Although she claims she is still useful, MI6 servers are hacked and M receives a taunting computer message moments before the MI6 building explodes. Bon, who used his presumed death to retire, learns of the attack and returns to service in London. He fails a series of physical, medical, and psychological examinations, but M approves his return to the field, ordering him to identify Patrice's employer, recover the hard drive, and kill Patrice. He meets Q, MI6's new quartermaster, who gives him a radio beacon and a Walther PPK. Yeah, M versus M. Because he's going to be the future M. And his name is Mallory. And his name is Mallory. And not Marjorie. <laughs> Gareth and Marjorie. I actually referred to him as several different things through this. Okay. So yeah, the Prime Minister is concerned. They basically, at this point, they say that she lost the knock list, which is like, she didn't fucking lose it, all right? She did everything she could to get it back. It didn't fall out of her briefcase. like. I'm sorry, her purse? We've uh, actually never seen her with a purse. Anyways. <clears throat> also... Why would they have a bunch of secret agents on a fucking list and a hard drive to begin with? I'm sorry. Did payroll lose the <laughs> lose the knock list? That would make sense. The government had everyone's student loan information on a removable hard drive that they then lost, and everyone got put into like a lawsuit together. Yeah. To sue because they shouldn't have had removable sure. equipment. Um, there was a settlement like four and a half years later. Do you want to know how my my, my name was lost? My information was lost. Do you, do you want to know how much I got? Thirteen bucks. I wish six fifty. Well, that's the reason why they put you all in the same lawsuit is they wouldn't have to pay out shit. Also, when I say six fifty, I mean six dollars and fifty cents. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't care that much. Nothing happened with that. If somebody wanted to like take over my student loan, that would have been. You imagine fine. they steal your information and be like, "Well, you can have information, but you need to take over her student loan." And be like, "Oh." Tough call. <laughs> <laughs> we see, we do see M writing Bond's obituary, which comes up later, which is kind of interesting. And she does look upset. Oh, I do have a special note here. Yeah. Ralph Fiennes or Ray Fiennes, I guess. Ray Fiennes used to be a sex symbol. Let's think of that. 
Uh, blue shirt fi- finds yeah. used to be a sex symbol. It's just that hairdo is not working for him. He when doesn't hmm? he have a brother that also acts? And Joseph why, finds. Why is his name spelled Ralph and he goes by Ray? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's Welsh or Irish or something. I have no idea. Okay. But it's Ray. Um. Okay. Doesn't do it for me, but sure. Well, no, because it used to be a sex symbol. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, so we basically were we're following along with M as we sort of learn a few more details about the hard drive. And as we're following along, we learn that the hard drive encryption has is being broken, and it's being broken from M's office. Yeah, so she's being voluntold to retire, and she's like, "No, I'm not doing that." Oh shoot! I jumped the gun, didn't I? Yeah, she's being voluntold to retire, um, and they tell her like, "You should just leave with dignity," and right. she says, "Fuck that noise." <laughs> she says, fuck that noise. I'll leave when the job is done. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty <laughs> sure those were her exact words. <laughs> so great. And that's when you find out that they're decrypting the hard drive from yes. her office. So they should they have to make the decision. Are they shutting down the server? Or are they going to try to track where the this decryption is happening? And it right. turns out it's happening right from her office. Her initial reaction is to, of course, track it until and all shit hits the fan and then yep. she's like no, no no disconnect disconnect and we see a message across the computer that says think on your sins right and we see sort of queen queen m with the sort of disconnected jaw i just picture them when newman in jurassic park oh my god you didn't say the magic word right uh, 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 you didn't say the magic yeah. word i just keep picturing that over and over again that's so perfect yeah Access main program. Access main security. Access main program grid. Ah ah ah! You didn't say the magic word. Please! God damn it! Hate this hacker crap! Should have been Silva's voice. (laughs) Anyways. And then we cut to Bond having, making, doing love. Yeah, we have Bond um, shagging somebody uh, in the tropics. I assume it's somebody's wife because this is exact. This is exactly what happens in Archer in season three. Doesn't uh, he say he likes his women married anyway? At one yeah, point? in Casino, he's like, "Oh, you're not my type." And she's like, "Well, what's that? Intelligent?" And he's like, "No, single." Yeah. So Archer in uh, Heart of Archness in season three is literally in like the Bahamas or something, and they say, what are you doing down here, shagging newlyweds? He's like, eh, whatever. So, yeah, that's essential. And he, Archer has, like, a beard. I mean, uh, Bond has a little bit of scruff. It, it's fairly similar. And he's, and Archer was just down there drinking himself to death, and that's exactly what Bond is doing. So uh, He's also taking scorpion shots. Yeah, he's, he's having playing drinking games, a little CGI scorpion. I um I thought that was weird because I don't feel unless it I can see Bond doing something like that if he was in a situation where it was like a wager, one on one. I have a hard time seeing him doing it for a crowd as a drinking game. Like Bond does not strike me as a type that would play flip cup. If he's already good and drunk, and it's not flip cup though. Like this is a little bit more. I've played flip cup. It's a step away from flip cup. <laughs> If Flip Cup had a fucking scorpion underneath it, sure. Anyways, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Have you played Flip Cup? 
I have not. Well, then you don't know what you're talking My about. My thing is, is like, I don't understand why drinking needs to have games and shit now. Why do you have to do flip cup? Why do you have to do beer pong? It's fucking ridiculous. Why do you Just... have to drink to Roxanne? It's fun drink when you're 18. Roxanne? Yeah, by the police. Oh my god. You take a drink every time he says Roxanne. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. It's a lot of drinking at the end. You, like, you should be drinking beer because otherwise... Right, yeah, because at the end... Roxanne. It's like... Over and over again. Yeah, Actually, yeah, quite a bit. It's like at least three or four drinks. Fun fact, end. because I bring up musicals all the time on this. Oh, Christ. My friend and I had lab on Wednesday nights, I think it was. <laughs> you meant like last Wednesday? No, like, when we were in university, we had like a biology lab that we hated. So after biology lab, we had pizza and beer night, and then we'd go out to the university pub and drink. This was my first year of university before I realized I was paying a lot of money for university and should probably take it seriously. But... um. So we used to do that, like, right before we went out, we'd chug our last beer to Roxanne, but we would do it while watching Moulin Rouge, so, like, the Moulin Rouge version of Roxanne. I know, you're thinking, like, how could you be more cool, and, like... <laughs> <laughs> they don't feature Roxanne in Moulin Rouge, though, right? Yeah. Those do they? Yeah, Moulin Rouge all has, like, modern music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Like, uh, I think Smells Like Teen Spirit, a uh, bunch of Elton John stuff, yeah. Was you McGregor singing at all? I don't know if he's... I think he is sing, singing, he can actually. Sing. Yeah, he, I think yeah. he is. And Nicole Kidman. He plays the Iggy Pop character in Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. It's actually... I think you would like it. Do you like Romeo and Juliet, the boss yeah. Norman? Yeah, I think you would like it then. Hmm. Remember, this isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Sip, sip, sip. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Sip, sip, sip. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Anyway, that was a huge aside. Where are we? Whatever. Um, so, yeah... Bond is then drinking very pathetically alone at the bar while CNN, for some reason, plays in the background. In the morning. Yeah. Which is actually kind of funny because he just, like, waves the bill to the barkeep and then reaches over the table. And, like, he's going to fucking drink all of that. And then on CNN, on CNN in the background, we find out there's been a terror attack in the heart of London. Yes. Wolf Blitzer is uh, spreading the news about London and the terrorist attack. Next, we see Bond hopping on a plane and flying to London, which is a really weird time for London Calling to come up. I thought it was really kind of strange. I think it would have worked in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just London Calling is not a song for a Bond film. Yeah, it's a little strange. Like a Manic Monday, maybe. <laughs> Just a Manic Monday. Well, like he was like super drunk at a bar and then on a plane, and it's like Manic. Drinking with scorpions on Sunday, now it's a manic Monday. Ooh, anything by the scorpions would have worked. Oh, God. So we cut to M. Oh, God, it's a good idea that I never do a soundtrack. Precisely. We cut to M standing in front of, like, five or six coffins and saying, I'm going to find whoever did this. She vows revenge. It'd be really great if she went on a rampage. And it's like quantum again, but M as the lead character. <laughs> Big right. She'd be in like there, the Harrington with like the pop color. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> Thumping this shit at a green again. Just because he was very thumpable. Oh, you want to talk about horrible th- or horrible songs? Uh, tub thumping. Chumpawamba. Bad song. Another drinking song. I just think of Homer. I get knocked down. I get knocked down again. You're never gonna knock me down. I take a whiskey drink. I take a chocolate drink. And when I have to pee, I use the kitchen sink. I sing the song that reminds me I'm a urinating guy. <laughs> you seem to be thinking of Homer a lot in yeah, this uh, It is kind of a thing. 
M goes to her apartment after a long, obviously really tough day. It's pouring rain. She just wants to get into a hot bath, have a whiskey sour, and go to bed. Actually, let me take that again. She just wants to get into a hot bath, mm-hmm. have an old-fashioned, and go to bed. That sounds a little more bedtime appropriate than a, than a whiskey, whiskey sour. sour. Nothing like screwing your face all up when you're trying to sleep. Um, <clears throat> Bond but- is snuck into her place, which I thought... It should have been like a continuation of the joke. I thought I told you never to sneak into my place. Anyways. Yeah. He does not have any respect for her privacy. He gives the uh, famous reporting for duty line. He's all scraggly and mad. And he looks like a bag of shit. Whoever did the makeup on this film really made him look shitty. He looked pretty shitty in the last film at times as well. Maybe he's just... Maybe that's his normal look and the makeup just makes him look good. (laughs) Yeah, that could be. Sorry, Daniel, if you're listening. I didn't <laughs> he mean is it. listening. I think he just looked really disheveled and, and kind of beat down. He looked hungover. In, in Quantum. In this one, he just looks like a bag of shit. He looks like he's been hungover for five days straight. Like, he just doesn't look mentally well. Like, it has come through in his face somehow. And he's mad at take the bloody shot. Yeah, yeah. I really like the back and forth. And this is one of the scenes where I don't... I really like the scene with them that I, I was, like, watching so intently. And, like, oh, I love that bit. And this is cool. And the take the bloody shot. And we're we're too old for this game. I didn't take any notes because <laughs> I was so into the scene. Well, what I found really interesting is they're actually having... So you say we're too old for this game. They're having a discussion about whether or not they're played out. And, like, mm. both of them are having that talk. Like... Is what we do done? Should yeah. we leave it to other people? Should we move on? Is it finished? And then they decide, no, we're still awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Because she, she's already been confronted by Mallory saying, you're too old, just finish up. Uh, and he is about to be confronted by M also, like, you know, with his physical trials. Right. So his comeuppance is coming. And, like, you do see that, I don't remember exactly when this comes up, but with that, like, little bulldog on her desk. Right. Or is it an English bulldog? And You gotta buy one of those. It goes, like, to me, that's, like, the the old guard, like, you still have value kind of thing. I think that's what the message was, but we can talk about that later. Um, (laughs) M ends up saying, you know we need you. Yeah. And he should get debriefed and return to active service. Also, we sold your apartment (laughs) and got rid of all your stuff. Yeah. FYI, find a hotel. <laughs> and he's like, I'll find a hotel. She's like, well, you're not bloody well sleeping here. <laughs> you like in bed spooning with her. I would like to see, okay. She did say late husband. First of all, if anyone was going to spoon <clears throat> anyone in this film, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm going to say. Bon's, it's M and Kincaid. Uh, I thought, no, I thought you were going to say Bon would be the little spoon. <laughs> Bond would be the little spoon in this scenario. No, I think the most chemistry we saw in the whole movie was between M and Kincaid. Yeah. I think that if Bond and M were having a pajama party, <laughs> um, Bond would be sitting on the little bench at the end of her, or sorry, sleeping on the little bench at the end of her bed like um, Michael Scott does in the office. Like Steve Carell? Yeah. Right, babe? What a cute bench. Thanks. That's my bed. Jen has uh, some space issues, so I curl up on that puppy. Really? Because she's pretty narrow and short. It's actually a lot bigger than it seems. Look at this. See? He fits perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. That was a $245 TV you just ruined. 
Uh, plasma so screen. That's, the that's such that a picture. squirm-worthy episode. It's okay, babe. so funny, but my God. Um, then they enter Churchill's old bunker. New digs, as Tanner says it. So they get welcomed to the new MI6, and Bond meets Mallory. It's a little like Hogwarts when they kind of cut to it, and they're like, oh, look at it. And Bond's looking, and it's sort of, oh, the splendor of it all. Right? Yeah. Uh, Bond is trying to pass his physical examination (laughs) while Rory just chats with him. There's no fucking way that man is going to pass a physical if he's not able to focus. Tanner is just yapping and yapping and yapping. I'm like, I'm trying to do push-ups, Tanner. Yapping. Like, maybe if he was in peak physical shape, but he spent the last, like, at least month drinking himself to oblivion. And banging newlyweds, so he's... Probably not working out beyond that. Probably not. So, like, leave him alone for two minutes. But then we see him trying to do his um, firearms exam, and he's terrible. It is funny, because Tanner's like, oh, we can always do this later. And the second Tanner leaves, Bond just, like... Collapses. Falls out. But then, yeah, he's on the firing range, and he's not... He's probably hitting the targets like I'm going to. Like nine. around the empty area yeah, around yeah. the silhouette? Hitting the pedestrians that are around the target. <laughs> um, and then we move on to his psychological examination, which doesn't seem to be going that well either. No. There's some really great back and forth on... There's some really great word association with the psych test. M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got M, bitch. But he's like, day. I'm like, wasted. Gun, shot. Agent, provocateur. Woman, heart, target. M, bitch. Yeah. Which should have been Vesper, bitch, but whatever. Um, murder, employment. And, of course, he finishes with Skyfall. And long pause. He says it, ag- he says it again. Skyfall. And he just done and walks out have you ever had to do those word association things no i always like i don't do them right because i always try to figure out something that's not with like day usually think night right so anytime i do them i'm like what's not night well you just try to be clever about it i don't try to be clever (laughs) i just try to not be in the norm which defeats the whole purpose (laughs) of it you're supposed to say the same thing day and i'm like long pause break day Pot pie. <laughs> Night. Socks. Socks. <laughs> Morning scotch. Uh, then we see Bond digging out some shoulder shrapnel. Yeah. And then he hands them over to be assessed. So he basically is is thinking about it now, months after the fact. Which I'm also like... He just saved it there. You think... Yeah. Like, what were you keeping that in for? Why are you suddenly curious? Or why wouldn't you have it, like, well, it would surgically theoretically, removed? Well, just... No, it would work its way out at one point. Would it? Yeah. Okay. With all that heavy lifting he's doing with drinking the drinks? Like... No, I'm pretty sure when there's, like, a foreign, ob- foreign object in your body, it tries to work itself out of your body. Like, your body tries to push it out. I base See... that on getting my wisdom teeth removed. Do they just come out on their own? Or did you... No, I had to have them shredded into pieces, like... Because they were not out. Hmm. And then, like, months later, little pieces of teeth were coming out of my gums. Because they were left there after they were stitched up. Mm-hmm. You can cut out all of that out. It's really gross. Absolutely not. No, we're cutting that out. We're not. <laughs> well, I had, like, bone cut away from mine. So, I mean, that's gross. 
and then the stitch holes like hard and then the nut. Oh, did you get um dry socket? No, the the stitch holes themselves hardened, so the knot would start on this side and then work its way around because it was just like a hole for the knot to move around in. It was pretty fun. I actually got like an infection and they stuffed it with nutmeg. Really? Yeah, apparently it's um, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Antibacterial. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that why they put it in eggnog? No. Like has nothing off, to do with that. Fend off the salmonella from uncooked <laughs> eggs? Hmm? Okay, let's keep going. Like, we're talking about bond, not my wisdom teeth. You get your wisdom teeth taken out and then have, like, a little, whatchamacallit, capsule back there? Hydrogen cyanide? I don't think so. No. Um, we see Money Penny and Bond having their first post-shooting him run-in. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that because he was giving her shit like he would anybody else. He's just treating her like one of the dudes kind of thing. Like but I a, think he realizes what happened was out of her control. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And But he's still giving her shit about it because that's obviously... He's teasing her. Yeah. And she is just putting it right back to him. And it's, but it's nice. It's friendly. It's not... Like, he's kind of a little patronizing, and she's playing back. For the record, if I shot someone by accident, I don't care if it was part of my... I would feel so bad. I wouldn't be able to joke about it. She's just that cool, though. Like she's Way a, cooler than me. Yeah, she's just a really cool character. So, I mean, I do like the fact that she's he's making light of it, and she's like, I'll run with that. I'm sure she feels bad, but at the same time, she's like, eh, whatever. What does bother me, though, is that he tells her the field isn't for everyone. Maybe mm. you're better behind a desk. I didn't really like that part either. And, like, in the end, like, spoilers, she, like, steps out of the field. Obviously, Money yep. Penny works behind a desk. And I'm just like, oh, that doesn't sit well. But then she shows up at the casino later, so she's back to being in the field. And then Inspector, she's also has a bit of a, a bit of a role there as well. You're like, well, she's not exactly behind the desk all the time. But anyways. Uh, so Bond, we have the first bulldog scene where he's like, oh, my God, that survived the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Bond meets Mallory and they find out that he passed by the skin of his teeth. Mallory asks Bond why he didn't stay dead. Yeah, why not stay dead? This is a young man's game. Which is interesting because I'm pretty sure retirement age is a mandatory 40 if you're going to be a secret agent. And I don't know. I'm, I think he was 36 when he was at Casino. But like, what age is he supposed to be? I think he's 90 in this film. What age is he supposed to be? I think he's 90. That's coming from sex symbol Ray Fine. <laughs> yeah, Ralph. Ralph Joseph. Ralph Joseph Fiennes. Fiennes. Finnis. And so, and he's he says, well, then hire me or fire me. Mm-hmm. Like, I it's, don't care either way. I'm it, here if you want me. Hire me or fire me. It's entirely up to you. But M's like, nope, he's our man. I trust him. And then, and then Mallory <laughs> accuses her of being sentimental about agents. And um, they tell Bond not to cock it up. Yeah. Which they should have had James May there. From <laughs> it would have been great. Bond, don't cock it up. What's the Norwegian for oh cock? Oh cock, I've missed a couple. Oh cock. What a cock end, honestly. Y- you have permission to say oh cock. Oh cock. Oh cock in Hungarian. And then there's a shrapnel thing, and Bond's like, oh, Patrice is our shooter from the train. Right. And they're going to Shanghai. Which I feel like that's a bit of a stretch, but whatever. I don't know. I didn't follow that. Um, he has to go see Q, who's the new 
or he has to go see the new Q, the quartermaster. Real quick though, M says kill Patrice, Patrice for Ronson and get the list. <laughs> like, I feel like that might be a little unprofessional. Like maybe have him rest. She's like, nope, kill him, get the knock list. She's she's just giving him permission to kill people again. He has a license to kill. Know, what did I you know, miss that? But in the still, last... like. You'd be like, well, bring him in movies, or, or, ha- or have or him arrested. No, this is the 22nd. Like, maybe have him arrested or bring him in or whatever. But no, she's like, no, just have him killed. Are you sure it's the 22nd? Oh, no, this is 23rd. Quantum was 22. So he meets the new Q at an art museum? The new Q is not the old Q. No. And they have a bit of back and forth about that. But, like, youth is not a guarantee of efficiency and... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Q tells him I can do more behind my laptop. Yeah. And and actually, Bond has a line here, too, where he talks about, like, you need agents to know when not to pull the trigger, which is nice because that comes up again in Spectre when uh, M says it to C, which I like. But it's just, this is a really interesting bit where Q, when they're sitting in front of the painting, and Q says to Bond, he's like, oh, what do you see? All I see is a white Richard A. Waddy. <laughs> and remember when I watched this in the cinema, I'm like, holy fuck, that's that's Ben Wishaw. Holy shit, he looks like a white Richard A. Waddy. Blew is it my just mind. The glasses? No, like the hair. He's like the white guy fro. Like it's it's kind of biggish, but it's parted on the side and then kind of comes out. And it, he just reminds me of Moss, Richard A. Waddy playing Moss. He has a certain Moss-like quality. I will give you that. Yeah. But we'll get into that in a few weeks. He gives <laughs> Bond a couple of gadgets. <laughs> yeah. And Bond is just disappointed with them. Yeah, it's not exactly Christmas, is it? He's like, what, are you expecting an exploding pen? We don't really go in for that kind of thing these days. Love that. Um, And then he does the usual cue line of, can you just return these in one piece? Yeah, wait, he walks away and it's like, Bond, and try to return the equipment in one piece. In Shanghai, Bond follows Patrice, but is unable to prevent him killing a target. The two fight, and Patrice falls to his death before Bond can learn his employer's identity. Bond finds a casino token Patrice intended to cash in for the assassination, leading him to a casino in Macau. There, Bond is approached by Severine, Patrice's accomplice. Recognizing her tattoo, he concludes she was a sex slave rescued by a criminal who now employs her, a man Bond wishes to meet. She warns him he is targeted by her bodyguards, but promises to help if Bond kills her employer. Bond thwarts the attack and joins Severine on her yacht, the Chimera. They travel to an abandoned island off the coast of Macau, where the crew captures and delivers them to Severine's employer, Raul Silva. Once an MI6 agent, Silva turned to cyber-terrorism and orchestrated the attack on MI6. Silva kills Severine, but Bond alerts MI6 reinforcements who capture Silva for rendition to Britain. We're in Shanghai. This is my favorite part of the film because it looks amazing. So Shanghai is your favorite part? Yeah, it just looks fantastic. All the, like, the blue-lit overpasses mm-hmm. and everything, like, like that whole leading up. And that ties nicely into the scene where they're in the building as well. Before that, though, we see the really brightly lit, like that blue pool, and then the blue overpass, or, yeah, blue overpass that he's driving under. And then when he gets to the building with Patrice, all that stuff is really blue as, as well. And all day and all night, and everything inside is just blue. I don't know what you're on about. 
I'm blue. That's why I don't know what you're on about, because I would never, ever pay attention to any of that song at all. I can't. <laughs> You have alarm. a dance party. I was, was going to say it's on, it's on my alarm when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Did you wake up? <laughs> Anyways, it's just beautifully shot, and I love the blue overpasses and, and the swimming scene and all that stuff. So Bond is following Patrice, sees him kill some front desk people in a building. Yeah, a security guard, yeah. And chases him. Well, I shouldn't say chase. He follows him in. Right. Sees him get on an elevator and decides to jump and grab the bottom of the elevator. Yeah, instead of like waiting for another lift and then getting off on the floor underneath and, I don't know, just take the stairs, he decides he's going to Batman his way up the elevator. Um, They're playing a very, very Batman-esque soundtrack at this moment as well. Blue? No. (laughs) No. Oh, God. The only song I know called Blue is by the Jayhawks. So there you go. Which is You a... just sang. Only because you just did it. I would never have thought of that on my own. Yeah, but you know the song. Uh, yeah, but how could you not? You know more than that. There's a Patsy Cline, Blue. You know that song. It's not the first thing I thought of, though. You were not talking about the first thing you thought of. We were talking about songs called Blue. Isn't this like a psych test from earlier? <laughs> <laughs> where have all my friends gone? I'd include that in the podcast, but it probably get sued. They sued a lot of people over that song. No, God, no. The Jayhawks. (laughs) Stop saying that. (laughs) Which part? (laughs) Yes. It's awful. They didn't write it. (laughs) Yeah, but you might as well have at this point. I have a blue house and a blue window. What? I have a blue house and a blue window. What is that from? Blue is the color. It's that song. (laughs) Jesus. No, no, just keep going. <laughs> Anyways. So Bond gets really sweaty while hanging on to the bottom of the elevator. Yeah, and he has that moment where he slips off with one hand because his shoulder's all fucked up from the shrapnel. Mm. They get off on the 167th floor. Seems that he's on there for a long time. And this is where the scene really gets interesting because all the clear glass and the billboards that are sort of being projected onto the screens. It's a fantastic scene. It is a little hard to tell what's happening, uh, but it's pretty great. Yeah, I like. I know you love it. It doesn't... It's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with it, but it doesn't touch me the same way it touches It just looks you. gorgeous. Like, it just looks fantastic. It's just like, oh, that's cool. Mm. Well, I mean, that's kind of... I could have been distracted by the song Blue playing, like, really loudly in my head while that was happening. (laughs) The Patsy Cline one, though, don't worry. You're not annoyed. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure it's still annoyed because I instantly thought you were thinking of the other one. I was. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Patrice has this glass cutter out. He's going to cut through the glass and then snipe whoever across the street. I do like that little bit of gadgetry he's got going and then when he pops the glass out just that like sound of the wind yeah because they're on the 167th floor yeah that's pretty neat it's a nice little detail the sniper snipes which is interesting because in the synopsis they say he fails bond is not interested in in thwarting patrice's attempt to kill he wants to see who he's gonna kill Mm, and then he wants to know why i think anyways well he's gathering information i guess Mm. So Corey just went upstairs to feed the cats, and he usually edits the bulk of this podcast. 
So I'm going to try to find the song Blue and play a little clip of it before he comes back down. Who sang that song? Here we go. Oh, I feel 65, right? Put the volume down. Oh, shoot, he's coming back. Okay. Sniper snipes. Right. So at that, Bond and Patrice get in a silhouette fight in front of the glass. Yep. And then Bond gets the upper hand. Bond yep. mysteriously is wearing gloves at that moment, which is kind of dumb. Sure. Um, he dangles Patrice. Yeah, he kind of throws him over the edge, but he still has him. And he's like, who do you work for? No, that's not what he says. Who does number two work for? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, Patrice doesn't answer. And he slips out of Bond's gloved hand. And, and then, falls 2,500 feet. And then Bond just kind of stares at Patrice for a bit. And Hot Chick from the sniper room stares back from across the way. Right. It kind of reminded me of Blade Runner. Like the whole... Never seen it. No? No. Either one? No. Because there's the one with um, Ryan Gosling as no. well. There's a lot of advertisements and stuff being sort of... Gosling or Reynolds? Gosling. Really? Yeah. And listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack I remember being particularly good. What's on it? <laughs> no. No more music talk. Because I was willing to go there and then I retracted. What? What's on the soundtrack? I didn't even see the movie. How would I know? Also, I question your Ryan Gosling because I feel like it was it's Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Go- no, it's Ryan Gosling. Okay. Ryan Reynolds doesn't have the depth required for that one. It's a pretty serious movie. It's really windy. Yeah, it is. Um, we cut to M watching some YouTube videos about kittens, and then she finds out that the first five names off the knock list, the knock list have been posted. And I know they're posting one person, like a photo of the person and then their identity, and a photo of the person. There still seems like 20 people. And they're like, oh, we're posting the first five names. I'm like, 25 names? No, it's like a front shot, a side shot, yeah. a headshot. Yeah, maybe. Um, we sh- we cut back to Bond, who's in his hotel room, and Money Penny shows up to his room, lets him know that the five names have been posted, and watches him shave. Right. Uh, and he's like, oh, sometimes I like to do things the old-fashioned way. Are they supposed to be flirting here? I am not feeling any kind of chemistry between them. Okay, so firstly, she had to learn how to shave. She actually shaved his face with a razor for that scene. I still am not feeling any chemistry first. Okay, we're getting there. And she had to learn how to shave on like a balloon. So she actually like learned to shave properly, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was just a little side note I had. See, I feel like they do have chemistry. And I feel like there's no way they didn't hook up after that. I feel like they absolutely had no chemistry whatsoever. And again, Kincaid and M had way more chemistry. <laughs> I don't disagree with the chemistry between Kincaid and Emma, as he called her for some reason. I'm just like hearing impaired. It didn't quite. No, hear I think like... he said M, and he assumed it was like E M, like short for Emma. Mm, that makes sense. This is already more thought than I've ever given it. So I do like the chemistry between Money Penny and Bond. Actually, what I wrote was they. <laughs> I had... can't believe you just went finger in the air. <laughs> well, what I said was. Well, what I wrote was, and I might be wrong with who was in it, but. There was way more chemistry between, was it uh, Kara Sedgwick phenomenon? Who was in phenomenon? John Travolta and... Yeah, I think it was Kara Sedgwick. So there was way more chemistry between Kara Sedgwick and John Travolta and phenomenon than there was between Money Penny. How did you get there from this? 
There's a scene where she goes in and she cuts right, his hair and shaves right, his face. Right. Like with a regular razor, but still. Yeah. Eric Clapton plays in the background. It was way more chemistry. Anyways, I feel like they shagged. Sparks were flying. I feel like they shagged. I don't think they did. If they did, it wasn't great. Um, because she get, there's a little note of jealousy with her and Severine later. There's no way they didn't. But like, anyways, whatever. Doesn't matter. What was that face? It was to the... There's no way they didn't. There's no way they there's didn't. absolutely every way that they did not. He started like... Because un- she was trying to come on to him and he was like, oh wait, we have no chemistry. No, he... Just shaved my face. He started unbuttoning her dress when she was starting to come on to him. She and was, then she shaved when him. When was she coming on to him? You just said she was. I just think it was no chemistry. Anyways, they hooked up. Maybe, but it wasn't good. I won't say they didn't hook up because he likes to hook up with anything that's warm and has a pulse. True. But I just feel like it wasn't great. Probably why she decided not to be an agent. So she basically tells him that he shouldn't crap on Mallory as much as he does because he used to be blah, blah, blah. And then she finishes, he finishes her sentence because he has done his research on Mallory. So they have a little back and forth about that. And... She's finished up and is telling him off, and she's like, oh, you look the part. And he's like, oh, what part is that? Old dog, new tricks. And she's wiping his face down, and she's raided his face. There's no way they didn't hook up. Also, you told me you wouldn't let me shave you, so I don't know. <laughs> so. I feel like you were rethinking it for a moment and just landed on the same answer. Well, no, I, we can try. I just, I did let somebody shave my face once. And it was probably the first time, it was like my first serious relationship. It was the first time an actual razor had ever touched my face. And it was Cindy's dad's razor. So I don't know how sharp it was. (laughs) And I don't, yeah, it wasn't great. It just basically carved my fucking face up. I feel like it wouldn't be good, but I still think you should let me do it. All right, we can do it. We'll do a YouTube video of it. And <laughs> subsequently like, me calling 911 because somehow... Look, I look like Sissy Space like from Carrie. <laughs> like, uh, I have a neck. Yeah. Uh, they head over to a casino. And I think this is the best Bond entrance we get. On the boat with fireworks? Period. Mm. With like the light up dragon. It's, just, it's awesome. It's a fantastic scene. And he sort of just comes in on the boat wearing his tux. It's yeah. Very, pretty, pretty awesome Bond moment. Gets into the casino, Money Penny's there, they're conversing via their little earpiece, and immediately tells her, don't touch your ear. Why is everyone touching their ear? I don't know. I don't know. Why? We'll have to do a Bond fan fiction film and have that in it somehow. But like completely unrelated. No, you can just explain it. Like, you know, you don't like have someone to got touch shot it. in the ear and we're like, don't touch your ear. But I'm trying to staunch the blood. Don't touch your ear. <laughs> They'll know you're an agent. It doesn't matter. I'm down. <laughs> They'll know you're an agent. It just writes itself. My note here is... Okay, this is literally what my note says. Best entrance ever, I think. Macau Casino. Don't touch your ear. No way they didn't sleep together. Bond's uh, single chip. Security notified. (laughs) I think I was really trying to drive home the point that... You think they slept together? They slept together. I'm really trying to drive the point home that if they did, it wasn't good. So Bond cashes that Also, chip. I feel like they didn't because I know there's that whole discussion of the other films being unrelated 
to this right. film. But just like if you look at it as they are related, the money penny and bond relationship, I would say is like unacted upon chemistry. And I get that, and I agree, but stupidly, and I mean You agree that. stupidly, yep. No. <laughs> stupidly, we never get to the fact that her name is Money Penny until the end of the film. So now that she is Money Penny, they don't sleep together. Yeah, disagree. Also, I'm right. So Bond cashes this chip. It's quite the chip. It's worth, like, I think 18 or $19. <laughs> right. Um, a suitcase. It's a suitcase worth of money. So even if it was all ones, it was still a lot. He sees Severine and Money Penny, sounding a little jealous, says, "Oh, she's pretty. If you like that kind of thing." I actually have like a defense point on that because, and to each their own. Like, I don't want to be judgy about it. If you like putting on a lot of makeup that's fine and I really wondered how she kept the lipstick off her teeth because she's wearing like really dark lipstick but she is wearing like significant she looks like a completely different person when you see her in the shower later on because she doesn't have the makeup on she looks way better I would say that too but again I don't want like some people like the full makeup like some people like to do full makeup some people think it's sexy and that's absolutely okay like everyone has their preferences but when she says if you like that kind of thing I think it's really catty but I also think it's kind of what she's referring to well it's interesting because I don't really get the impression that Money Penny or um Naomi Harris is a person that needs to wear a lot of makeup Mm mm-hmm because she looks fantastic. and Well, neither is Severine. But she's wearing a lot of makeup. She is. And then I think a lot of her like modeling work and stuff, she's, she's kind of sort of made up sort of similar. So I think she probably, when she's working, probably gets slathered in it. She well, some to... people, it's just what they do. Like yeah. I know women who will not leave their house without having put makeup on for 30 minutes. And that's fine. Like That's what they're comfortable with. It's not I got, it's not something I've ever really been attracted to. I don't think I've ever really dated anybody that wore a lot of makeup. I had a philosophy class once where we were discussing, and I don't remember who the philosophers were we were talking about, but it was about um, beauty. Mm-hmm. And they were discussing, like, it was like one was all for makeup, saying that, like, anything you could do to enhance beauty was important, whereas the other one was against, where it was saying, like, natural beauty is more important. Um, but I think it's really a question of taste and also a question of what you feel comfortable with. Like, you don't feel comfortable when your hair gets long, so you would cut it, right? You wouldn't go out and about with your hair, like, all scraggly. <laughs> that's a that's a really, really long time, though. I mean... Fair, but I'm just, like, you don't, you don't wear makeup, so it's hard to give yeah, an yeah, example, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I... It, I don't think anybody should put one over the other at all. Like, like my personal pref- preference would be, like, I prefer women that don't wear a lot of makeup. Like, you don't wear a lot of makeup, and it it works for you. And But at the same time, like, sure, it, you can make the argument that natural beauty is the way to go, but, like, at the same time, who cares? Like, if you feel better as a person or, or your presentation, like, it's the same sort what if, of... Like, if you're super talented... I'm not going to say makeup artists because some people have that ability without actually being professionals. But if you're super talented at applying makeup and you enjoy doing it, go for it. I think it kind of, it might, it might boil down to that sort of putting the best version of yourself forward argument. Right. Like me not wearing sweatpants in public. 
Or ever. Or ever. You don't own sweatpants. I do own sweatpants. It's for running at night. I've never seen you in sweatpants, and I've known you for at least six months. In winter. I've never seen you wear sweatpants. Uh, Yeah, well, that's the thing. I didn't even know you owned them. I do have And I wash your clothes a lot. (laughs) I do have one pair for running in the wintertime at night. Yeah. If I was running during the daytime in winter, I would wear shorts. I just can't. I can't wear sweatpants. I refuse. Anyway, all that to say that I think her her comment, um, I think that Money Penny's comment is catty, but I think that's what she's talking about. Like her being more natural looking and Severine being like 100% dolled up to the, like dolled up completely to the nines. I think that's what she's talking about. I think it's more of a jealousy thing. I'm not saying that it's not a potentially jealousy thing. I'm not saying that it's not a jealousy thing. I'm just saying I think that's what that's in reference to. Fair. I do like Vaughn's play on that where he tosses his earpiece in her champagne. That's disgusting. You just ruined a glass of champagne. Well, you do have ears. Is it really that disgusting? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's the official bit. Ears are disgusting. I'm not saying ears are disgusting. I'm (laughs) saying if you stuck something in your ear, don't put it in your drink. I feel like that's a rule for life. Lenny Penny can be like, can I get another glass? Some asshole just dropped their earpiece in my champagne. I do know some people who accidentally ate their hearing aids because they thought they were a nut or a Werther's original. (laughs) Oh, my God. So uh, we get to learn a little bit about Severine's backstory. Mm -hmm. She wants a drink. She wants a drink, yeah. And she wants Bond to pay for it now that he's rich. Um, Bond says he wants to meet her employer. And then there's this loaded silence, and you can tell she's very frightened. Yes, obviously she works for Silva. Silva's dangerous, and Bond is particularly good at noticing when... What is it, what is the line? Something like, oh, I can tell when, when a woman is afraid or something. And I don't then... know. She was pretty clearly afraid. It wasn't like his spidey sense. <laughs> he just looked at her. But he does the thing that Bond always does where he's like, I can protect you. Right. Did he protect her? Not so much. I feel like she ended up dead. There's this... I might have misinterpreted the scene. Obviously, it didn't go well, but it does sort of play to Bond's history over the past two films. Like she's like, "Can you kill him?" And he's like, "Well, somebody usually dies." Obviously, you. that was obviously that was her. But it, it, but up to this point, I think it's usually been the woman. Well, I mean, with Craig, not so much. It was just Fields and then Severine. Vesper. Right. All right. Well. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I was thinking of the bad guys, but I kind of, yeah, omitted the uh, ladies. Um, She tells Bond that he's going to get killed by her bodyguards, but in the event that he would live, this is where she's staying. It's on a boat, and the boat will be leaving at, I don't know what time she says, 9.30. It's not a van down by the river? Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to Jack Squat! You're gonna end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Living in a van down by the river. And Bond's like, it's okay, I'll see you later. Yeah, pretty much. She knows he's got this. So she leaves and Bond toasts the thugs, which is just cocky as shit super super confident and kind of funny kind of clever but yeah pretty pretty arrogant and and i love it it is actually a really great sort of scene where he's just there and you see the martini glass 
Saban gets sort of sequestered in on the bridge or, or cornered on the bridge, I guess, and he hits one of the guys with the case, and then they go over the edge, and then Bond... You land in the lizard pit. Yeah, he sees the Komodo dragon, and he there's this moment, like this flashing sort of look where he's like, they're actually real. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Like, he did see them on the way in, but for some reason he seems a little shocked that they're there. And maybe maybe the size of them has finally registered to him. I don't know. But it is great because it is this real look of shock on his face, which is hilarious. It just kept bringing me back to this scene, and I need to double check what it's from. Live and Let Die? No, not at all. Because there's a little um, Live and th- Let Die tribute here. I think it's from the rescuers down under. <laughs> okay. With the alligators and the mice. I can't remember what. There's a Komodo dragon. The, oh, Joanna. I kept trying to remember what the Komodo dragon's name was. It's Joanna. In the rescuers down under? Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember that. We'll look at a clip from it. I've only seen it once. As a I kid. watched it a couple times as a kid, and okay. I do remember Joanna. Hmm. So, yeah, Bond beats up a bodyguard with a suitcase, and they land with the lizards, and the bodyguard gets eaten by a lizard. Yeah, Bond has a little Roger moment where he jumps off the back of one of the uh, Komodo dragons, which is, I think, a tribute like to... Like the Crocodile Rock moment? Y- yeah, in Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he pops out of the lizard pit and almost gets shot in the face. Right. Uh, but Money Penny saves the day. Yeah. A little detail about the Komodo dragon, too, though. It looks like the Komodo dragon is getting that guy from his, the back of his leg. Mm-hmm. Which, I remember when Steve Irwin was a thing, back when he was still alive, he had, had an episode of a show where he talked about Komodo dragons. And he says when they attack people, they always go for like the back calf muscle. Which I thought was like, kind of interesting that they stuck that in there. Like, huh. Sneaking from behind. Yeah, so basically that's where they go, and apparently their mouths are like filled with bacteria. So if yeah, you they're did super actually, dangerous. Yeah, so if you did actually survive the attack, the bacteria in their saliva would pretty much kill you. Yeah, they're the most dangerous of lizards. G'day, I'm Steve Irwin, and I'm taking you into the heart of dragon territory. Great, now he gets aggressive. Oh no, his aggression's turned to a food response. He's on him, he's gonna try and bite my calf muscle. He's on, he's wired, he's gonna grab me. I've gotta run for cover. Woo, straight up a tree, look at this. He's gonna take my calf muscle straight out. And if he locks down, I'll bleed out and die. Uh, so Bond still has the suitcase. He gives it over to Money Penny, the suitcase full of cash, and says, put it all in red. Wouldn't it be great if she won? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if she just took off with the suitcase? That was her cat. Wouldn't it be great if she just took off with the suitcase? Because there's a lot of money in that suitcase. Yeah, like why would you bet? You don't any need of to that? put it on red. Just take it. He goes back to my sex. Like, where's Money Penny? Uh, she retired, James. Like, yeah. What? She retired. That suitcase full of money. She doesn't feel her? like working for the sixty grand that we pay her, so she just retired. We then cut to Severine. In the shower on a boat. Without makeup. Without makeup. Looking way better than Looking she did. Looking completely different. And she actually, that was the thing. It's not even a question of better or worse or whatever. She, she looks looked like a different completely person. different. Completely different. It's like seeing a picture of Lady Gaga or Kim Kardashian without makeup. They don't look like the same person. Which, again, I'm not like, if that's what you want to look like, that's fine. It's just, 
they literally look like different people yeah. when they take it off. So Bolin pulls his usual sneaking into the bathroom trick. She does not react to him sneaking into her shower the same way as I would. So what do you think there, though? I feel like they had less chemistry than him and Money Penny did. Oh, no. Really? I just was not feeling that. We're watching the same film. Yeah, we were. Hmm. Um, no, I thought they, like, I thought there was, like, a desperation chemistry in this case, which is just, like, she has no options and she wants to think he can save her. Right. But I don't feel like him saving her was hinged on sex. No, but I think she's having sex with him in the desperate hope that he's her savior. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I find this way less viable than, um... Him and Money Penny, and that's just because. <laughs> what? Well, cut it out. But I was going to say that's just because shower sex is overrated because someone's always cold. Yeah, that's true. It is true though. We should probably leave that in as a public service. <laughs> <laughs> PSA to all the yeah. virgins out there. Don't bother having shower don't, sex. Don't it's do really it. just overrated. It just looks better in movies. Uh, one of the agents that was publicly announced from the knock list is caught and killed. And Carmela is mad. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting because when earlier on, when they say there's five agents that have leaked, M says, Tanner, get them out. Get them out and get the, keep them safe. And then one agent gets sort of killed. I'm like, Tanner, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you had one job. It was all Tanner's fault. M said, get them out. So then M is actually has to get involved in an inquisition about the deaths of agents because they show one agent dying. But I think there's three. I don't remember. I think there's three that get killed. Uh, so we go back to the boat, and Bond has his little tracker that uh, Q gave him earlier and turns it on. Right. And Severine is basically telling him, like, we don't need to do this. We can turn back. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he's like, oh, it's kind of late. There's like 10 armed guards standing behind. Also, they're not sailing the boat. How are they going to turn back at that point? It's just weird dialogue. You disagree? And they get cuffed and entered into an abandoned city. Right. Abandoned island, actually. So she gives a little bit of a backstory as to how Silva sort of faked what a chemical a chemical attack and, and made everybody flee the island so he could have it for himself. Mm. He wanted it so he took it. Just through internet hacking kind of deal. Yeah, I think it was like a nuclear meltdown or something. Something like that. So a bad guy appears, um, and then Bond so Bond and Severine are separated. Bond is tied to a chair. Our bad guy appears and tells a super long rat story, which I'm like, I'm pretty sure even if I was tied to a chair, I wouldn't have listened to this entire story. It's very boring. I zoned out. I zoned out. I wasn't tied to a chair, but I did zone out. Bond doesn't really comment on the story either. Because so, he's dumb. I was going to say, he, you might actually be onto something because he's probably like, I don't give a fuck. Like, why are you telling this boring <laughs> He's sitting story? there and he's like, I'm blue and <laughs> <laughs> But it is like the longest monologue and right? intro because he like slow the, the elevator is particularly slow javier was probably like line every two seconds because <laughs> it was really wordy but this is sort of like sam mendez's thing with long shots i actually shouldn't insult javier probably he memorizes his lines like months before shooting and it's really hard to insult him anyways because he's actually really good in this mm. i like him he's actually one of my favorite bond villains and the monologue was kind of strange. He has this little Hannibal Lecter moment where he's like 
doing the munchy yeah. sound. I'm a little weird. But, I mean, the rat thing comes up again from time to time, so yeah. it does work. It does work going forward in the rest of the film. And they discuss a little bit about who he was. Like, he worked at Station H, whatever that was, from 86 to 97. Right. He was a favorite of M's. Yes, exactly. Um, and then he tells Bond that, you know, M isn't always what she seems. Like, she lies to you. She just does what she wants to manipulate you and get her way. Yeah. Like, you failed your exam. And he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then he goes back through. How can he not know this? Right. Um, oddly, Javier, I forget what his actual name is in the movie. Silva. What, no, what did you think it was? Silas. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I referred to him as Silva at first, but then I switched over to Silas. No, that's fair. I forgot. Um, but he calls M mommy. Like he has a weird mother thing yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah. And we see that again right at the end. Like it's just, he just, <sighs> well, I mean, I think there's something happening in this film too, because they do say like when they refer to M, they're saying ma'am, right? Mm. But they're saying it in a very mom way. Like mom, when yeah, when you're watching it, you're just like, are they actually saying mom? Like, cause it's getting pretty close to actually just, just nope, just say mom. Um, so I mean, it it kind of works. So, I, I, and plus he mentions Bond's childhood trauma and the fact that his parents died young. So this is like Bond's like you know sort of authority figure, adult figure kind of thing because he is kind of just a kid. Yeah, Bond still doesn't call her mommy though. That's a whole <laughs> no, other no, thing. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Um, so Bond's tied to the chair, and then Javier's going on about this stuff. And, like, Bond says, well, at least she never tied me to a chair <laughs> when he's bad-mouthing M. Um, and and so, Silva says. Uh, Javier is, like, getting really up close and personal here and is stroking, like, the scars on Bond's chest. And stroking is the correct word. Um, <laughs> and, he's like, and then he says something. What does he say? Her loss. Her, yeah, he says her loss. <laughs> But he says something, I can't remember what his line is. And then Bond says, well, what makes you think this is my first time? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's he has Bond's legs tied to the chair. So his legs are kind of open. And Silva sort of like sidles up between his legs and he's rubbing his thighs. And he's like, oh, and he's like, um, I bet you're trying to revert back to your training right now. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, what makes you think this is my first time? So... I thought that was interesting because I'm like, Bond always does it for Queen and Country. Yeah. Has he done it for Queen and Country? Uh, maybe. Or maybe just for the sheer pleasure of it because I do think in his, like we don't know what goes on in his spare time. You don't know what happens in the missions that don't get put on film. Mm-hmm. But we also like, again, what does Bond do when he goes home? So, well, and he is... has a smirk on his face when he says it. That actually makes me think that maybe, like either way, it's maybe reasonably, it's not his first experience. It is reasonably convincing Yeah. to be like, that makes you think this is my first time. Yeah. You're making me uncomfortable, but not for the reasons you think. Yeah. I mean, there could be like. Yeah, there could be a lot behind that. It could be, yes, I've been hit on by men before, or, yeah, I hooked up with a dude once. Like, it could be anything, but, I mean... I had it, an experience at camp. It, there you go. It I does, mean, we all did. It are not kidding? Um, no, I don't... Really this, you didn't go to camp? <laughs> I went to camp. I haven't experienced I never went to camp. I'm just kidding around. Anyways, My experience was elsewhere. Um, you don't really know what Bond's actual experience is. Like he might just be commenting on, yeah, this is not the first time I've been hit on or felt up by a dude. Like it could, or 
It could be anything, but mm. it is pretty funny. And it doesn't really seem to rattle him very much. No, it really, that is true. It does not. No. And then Silva goes on to explain that from his computer, he can wreak complete havoc. It's not necessary to kind of be in the field like they used to be. Um, and Bond just sits there and takes it. Yeah, he kind of tries to wrap him up into his world. Like, oh, well, Bond, you could do this. You could do that. You could work with me. Um, probably to take down mom or Mommy. whatever. So, yeah, we, we could uh, wreak havoc on the world or whatever. And then Bond's like, oh, you could uh, do gas explosions in London. And then uh, Silva says, well, everybody needs a hobby. What's your hobby? And Bond says, resurrection, which I, I kind of like. It's a good one. Right. So then they walk out of the building that they're in. Bond is uncuffed at this point. He's walking freely. And Blondie or Silva says that they're going to eliminate redundant things. Right. And we see Severine tied to a statue. Mm -hmm. Silva places a shot on her head, walks back to Bond, and gives him like this old-fashioned pistol. And let's remember that he did bring this up earlier. Bond scored a 40 on his firearms exam. 40 out of how many? I think 100. (laughs) But, well, he's got that messed up shoulder, too, so I imagine that really Fair. heavy pistol probably doesn't feel great on his And shoulder. I'm sure that thing kicks. Yeah, probably. Um, so basically, Bond is supposed to be trying to shoot the shot off the, of Severine's head. 50-year-old McCollin? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Bond takes a while, and then he just misses the shot completely. Right. And then Silva takes his turn and shoots her right in the head (laughs) head chest i didn't really get where he shot her but the point was is the scotch fell and for some reason he still thought he won who silva he's like i win (laughs) you're like okay i don't i think he purposely shot her in the head for sure so he won because he got what he wanted yeah (laughs) it's not because he shot the scotch off that's for sure and then bond said it was a waste of good scotch how do you, I'm not really sure if he's trying to play it cool at that moment. I don't, I don't really get what he's doing. He likes his one-liners. Um, but then the cavalry shows up. Yeah, Bond has this like quick little three-second takedown, which is pretty great. And then holds up those little... What's the latest from Cuban branch? It's called a radio. Yeah. It's pretty great. It'll come back to haunt him. Well, I mean, he thought he had the upper hand, but he really didn't. At MI6's new underground headquarters, Q attempts to decrypt Silva's laptop, but inadvertently gives it access to the MI6 servers, allowing Silva to escape. Q concludes Silva wanted to be captured as part of a plan to kill M, whom he resents for disavowing and betraying him to the Chinese government in 1997, leaving him to be tortured and disfigured. Bond gives Silva chase through the London Underground and thwarts Silva's attacks at Parliament, where M is present. So we cut back to MI6, and we see Silva in a glass case of emotion. He is stuck (laughs) in his tube. And obviously he has a very emotional reaction to seeing M. Like, this is a huge deal. Everything he's done was about M. And M says, I'm sorry, I barely remember you. (laughs) But the first line in the whole scene is... You're smaller than I remember. I was offended. I was personally offended by that. I was like, what? (laughs) So strange. Um, So yeah, she tells him she barely remembers him and also calls him slippery. Right. And says regret is unprofessional, which is very much in line with her sort of 
character, I think, which I like. Yeah, so he says he was tortured for five months. He was caught by the Chinese, tortured for five months. The whole time he protected their secrets. But then he realized he'd been betrayed, so he used the cyanide capsule. Um, but instead of dying, it just burned his insides. But I don't think that's how cyanide works. Life clung to me like a disease. Actually, it doesn't say it like that. It's more flamboyant and weird. Anyways, yeah, no. Try it again. Um, I don't remember how he says it. I don't either. I can think of how he talks. I know what you did was wrong, but I don't remember how he says it. Life clung to me like a disease. Um, yeah, because like there was a... Don't like a little Rory Calhoun. <laughs> yeah. Life clung to me like a disease, Smithers. Like a little Rory Calhoun. There you are. There you go, little fella. And you... <gasps> Smithers, look. He's standing up. I've never seen anything so adorable. You know who it reminds me of? Benji? No. Classy? No, no, no. A person. You know who I mean. Snoop Doggy Dog? Bob Barker? David Brenner? No, no. The person who's always standing and walking. Rory Calhoun? That's it. You stay with me. You're the pick of the litter. Look at him behind his hind legs. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, hydrogen cyanide apparently does not do that. Right, because it's not acid. Because it fucks his face all up and whatever, which is kind of a neat effect, although I it don't is. really get why his eye was droopy. I, uh, like well, was, if the socket was gone. Well, it was kind of like up in that area. Anyways. I don't know. I didn't look because for some reason that part really freaks me out. Oh, really? Yeah. I was purposefully looking down writing notes. Oh, uh, okay. He screams at her to say his real name, which I don't really get. Right. Oh, yeah. So he pulls that plate out of his mouth and shows his collapsed face and tells M, like, look at your work. Yeah. And then laughs hysterically, kind of like I did at the end of Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Uh, 1984. The other one was good. Uh, if you laughed at the other one, I'd be like, there's something wrong with you. I don't remember how it ends, but I like the other one. This incredible. one was 1984. It was awful. Ugh. I've never heard you laugh like that, though. I don't think. Not quite to that level of hysteria. There was a slight bit of hysteria there. So just for the record, we went to see Wonder Woman 1984 last week, and Dan literally laughed herself out of the theater. I was running away. I, did you think I was initially embarrassed? About yes, how I thought okay. you were embarrassed. I just needed to be away from it, so I was just running away. Like From a, the film or from me? No, no, from the film. I would accept either answer. No, cause... I was totally cool with you laughing your ass off at it. But like, It's just the movie was coming to an end. It had lasted so long and been so terrible, and I just turned to you and said... Wow, that was good, because I didn't know what you thought of it. And as I said it, it just struck me as so funny. And I could not stop laughing. It was kind of like a Bond film. It was okay for the first two-thirds, and then just wound up. I would say like it was okay for the first half third. When they started making out before he like had to bugger off, I was like, it was okay up until then. And then you're just like, no. I no, could have no, cut no. it. A lot earlier on. But anyway, I don't know. I just started laughing really hard and then just could not stop. And then the credits rolled and then the extra scene happened and I was still laughing. And then we were walking out of the theater and the I was still laughing. The extra scene did not help at all. No. I no. just, I probably laughed for seven minutes straight. Yeah, I didn't, like I said, I've never heard you laugh quite that much at anything. 
Um, not even me, which is like, what the fuck? Uh, uh, but I just needed to be away from the film. It was I was enjoying your laughter as I ran out of the cinema. Um, I think I just, it was like, everything has been so controlled, like everything we can do recently. Yeah. And we finally, like it was a day where we had actual time to do things and the ability to do things. <laughs> we and squandered we it. And we just spent two and a half hours watching the worst oh, movie. It, it was just so... me really funny. Like, wishy-washy. The popcorn was good. Popcorn was all right, yeah. Anyways. Roger Glees, she gave him up, behaving badly, safeguards, took him Oh, yeah, so she feels in bond on what had happened where he was hacking the Chinese government and she gave him up to get other um, agents back. So we cut to M's hearing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> while she's undergoing her hearing or inquisition, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to cut back to Sylvan. He's like... Having a stretch. And the guard's like, where are you going? <laughs> what, are you, what are you getting ready for? But then we cut back to the hearing, and again, they're like... They specifically said to M, you are single-handedly responsible for that hard drive going missing. It's not possible. They didn't take it from her computer. It wasn't her computer that, um, what's-his-nuts cut it out of. So how was she single-handedly responsible? Maybe she's the one that saved it on a hard drive, and then it went somewhere. It's still not her hard drive. Anyway, it's it's ridiculous. They're just well, they are being completely ridiculous at her inquisition. I think that's just what they're trying to to show. So we're cutting back and forth between like what's going on with her. Sorry, not the inquisition, but the inquiry, and to like Bond and Q trying to hack into Silva's computer. <laughs> and Bond's like focus in on that. Bond gives us like really crap instructions to okay. Q. Okay, <laughs> so one of my notes here is Bond solves the problem, though I know he doesn't even know how to open up Excel. Like Bond has n- very minor computer skills. So as they're going through the computer, there's a security breach. Um, the doors are opening. Q's like, what is happening? Right. Uh, Silva manages to escape, and suddenly they realize they've got the computer plugged into their network. <laughs> yeah. And this this whole operation has been planned for months and years. Like, this whole Silva getting caught, them plugging in the computer to the network, all of it has been planned. And that bit is a little hokey, really. Why? Not so much the hacking of their system, but, like the subway car when it crashes and we'll get there so bond starts giving chase to silva right and they end up in the underground tube and then bond has to bust through the door and q's like come on (laughs) put your back into it and bond's like no you want to you come down here and put your back into it my favorite q line is when bond is so the train is coming there's a ton of people he's trying to find silva and he's like i can't i can't see and q's like well that's vexing (laughs) yeah he's pretty cool he's not uh, too frazzled by much but then of course after they're back and forth and and then bond is like oh it's it's busy i can't see anything he's like oh welcome to rush hour on the subway like basically like you've never been here you've never been here yeah but then as he finds out that silva's on the train he's like bond get on the train Get well, on the train. He didn't pause <laughs> like, that long. He paused a really long time. He paused too long, but he didn't pause that long. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Bond is left to chase after the train and jump onto the back of it. <laughs> Someone's in a hurry to get home. And then he says, what, he's like, health and safety? Yeah, he bangs on the subway door <laughs> and to get on. Yeah. and Sorry, he bangs on the tube to get on. And 
says that he's health and safety. Silva at this point is out of his onesie and in a police uniform. Yeah. So he's blending in with the peeps. And Bond realizes he's going for M because he's oddly obsessed with her. Um, so they message Tanner, who's in with M at the inquiry, and Tanner wants to take her to a secure location, but she's like, no, that's all right. Yeah, she seems pretty okay to just sort of hang out for a little bit. I think she just wants to get this done and over with right. no matter what. And then we cut to the cool escalator slide bit. Mm-hmm. That looks pretty fun. Silva does a fucking face plant at the end and... and Bond lands on his feet. Bond lands on his feet and just keeps right on running through the open door. And we've got Silva dressed as a cop entering like a tunnel of cops. Right. Which are a fair chunk of those guys are probably his his men, I think. Bobbies? What do you call them? Yeah, I guess they'd be Bobbies. (laughs) I don't know. Why would they ever... Yeah, the Brits. Sorry, Roberts? <laughs> Roberts. Uh, then we cut back to the inquiry, and this, I don't know who is all on the board, but this lady is, like, complaining, complaining, complaining no, about M, and all of a sudden, Mallory's like, um, that's all nice and good, but could we actually, like, let the witness talk for a yeah, second? Yeah, his exact words are, for the sake of variety, can we hear from the witness? Yeah. Yeah, love that. Cut back to Bond and Silva, and Bond is still chasing after him, and Silva tells him, well, you're not bad for a physical wreck. Right, yeah, he catches him on the ladder, and he starts shooting at him, and then Silva's like, oh, you're not bad. And then Silva triggers an explosion with his radio, as he mentions, and Bond's like, I hope that wasn't meant for me, and then a subway basically crashes in. So yeah, Silva throws a train at Bond. So what's your problem with that? Well, it just... He would have to know the schedule of the train. He did. And he would have to know that he would get Bond at that exact moment. And so, he would have to know the right amount of explosive to blow out the floor so that the subway car would, A, not just skip across the hole and keep going. Like, there's a lot of, like, well, things. Well, the knowing when to blow is a little bit of a moot point because... Like, I'm sure there's even more in London, but in Toronto, during rush hour, the trains can go by every minute. So as long as you talk long enough in between blowing up the hole, (laughs) you could probably get a train to crash through. Well, the other thing is, too, is that it's also a Bond film, so it's best to to suspend disbelief a little bit. What's been going on for the last two hours? Bond stuff. Um, So for some reason, while that train is careening towards Bond, he gets distracted and Silva gets away. Right. Uh, and breaks into the room where M is testifying. For some reason, she's reciting poetry, which is probably the worst part of the movie. Bond is running dramatically. <laughs> Are you really against the poetry? Or? Yeah, I am. Okay. I stand by that. So she basically says, like, well, what kind of world, like, I see a different world than you do. And meanwhile, Tanner, they cut to Tanner real quick, and he's just like, okay, let's wrap this up. And M just keeps dragging it on. How safe do you feel? My late husband was a lover of poetry, despite my best intentions, which I'm sure you like that part. Um, It's just poetry. Let's just... (laughs) So she sums up some poetry. Um, My candle burns at both ends. I don't think that was the bit. It will not last the night. Uh, I really don't feel like that was the bit. No? Especially because it was daytime. Hmm. So Silva busts in, and a bunch of people get shot. Mallory actually takes a bullet for M, which is kind of cool. He actually works really hard to help people. And he he is really good in the scene, too. Like, he's pretty capable. He proves himself to be capable. He seems a little rusty, but, like... Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. He definitely jumps into action the first chance he had. Yep. Because he's Bond, not scared. Bond kicks him a well, gun and he grabs it and. I shouldn't say he's not scared. He, he doesn't let his fear stop him from reacting. True. Which I think is probably a good show of your training. This is a really nice moment after they've picked off a few of Silva's guys where Bond sort of looks over at Mallory, gives him a quick wink, and then shoots really close to him, blowing up the uh, fire, extinguisher. Fire, fire extinguisher, which I love that the quick... They bothered to put in the sneak in that quick little wink. It didn't need to be there, but it just sort of like... So Silva has the upper hand until Bond starts shooting the extinguishers that go off and then provide cover, which a lot of people are getting rushed out of the room because there's a bunch of important people in there. And Silva is mad. And Bond, when he crosses the front of all that fire extinguisher clouds, I guess he shoots a couple of times on his walk across... So when you notice when Silva starts shooting back, Silva's shooting back in more or less the same places that when Bond shot from, making him think, I guess, it was like multiple people shooting at him. So I like that nice little detail they added. It's pretty cool. At this point, Rory has rushed M out of the building and right. gets to a car because he wants to bring her to safety, puts her in the car, and that just takes off. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question Leaving Tanner here. behind, yeah. Did Tanner know... No. That Bond was at the wheel, or did he just realize it when Bond took the first corner like a crazy person <laughs> and was like, oh, that's okay, that's Bond? Yeah, I'm not sure how relaxed he felt when M was gone. He's probably still in a panic moment, uh, panic mode for a few blocks, maybe, or rounded the corner, like, who the fuck just took M? I'm, I'm not sure what he thought there, but. Instructing Q and Bill Tanner to leave an electronic trail for Silva to follow. Bond uses his, his Aston Martin DB5 to take M to Skyfall, his childhood home in the, the Scottish Highlands. They meet Skyfall's gamekeeper, Kincaid, and together the trio set up a series of booby traps through the house. When Silva's men arrive, Bond, M, and Kincaid kill most of them, but M is wounded. Silva arrives by helicopter with more men and heavy weapons, so Bond sends M and Kincaid through a priest's soul through a priest hole to hide in a nearby chapel and rigs propane tanks to explode. As the house and the helicopter are destroyed, Bond escapes down the same tunnel. We just couldn't get through priest's hole without laughing? No, it's because I said priest's hole. <clears throat> oh, okay. As opposed to priest hole. What does it say in the synopsis? Priest hole. Okay. So Bond tells Q to leave a series of breadcrumbs. And I'm, I know you're not going to remember this because... We haven't watched it in ages, but he drinks from his coffee mug. And you see the bottom of the coffee mug is really waiting for Moss's face. Because remember in the IT crowd, he loses his mug. He's like, oh, I put my face on the base. And then he flips it up. Then he's like, it's not there. Anyways, I'll have to find that. I have no recollection of this. Um, so yeah, the trail of breadcrumbs. And essentially, M is like, oh, you're going to be using me as bait to catch Silva. Right. And Bond is like, e- yeah, is that a problem? <laughs> Basically. And then they get in the they get the DB5 out and Anne's like, oh, I suppose that's inconspicuous. <laughs> and then off they go and she complains about how uncomfortable it is. Are you going to complain the whole way? And he flips up the ejector seat thingy. <laughs> this is all problematic because why in the 2000s is he driving an Aston that's completely kitted out with Sean Connery era stuff if he's not Sean Connery? Because he knows what the old double O 
had for a car and thought it was cool and was disappointed that he didn't get one, so he had one made for himself. Like a period correct in every sense of the word, Aston. Yes. Like, obviously, it's the one from Connery, but, I mean, it's just it's just weird. Tanner must be, like, completely dying at this point because he's essentially M's take, uh, caretaker, mm-hmm. and he has no idea where she's at, and it's his life's mission, basically, to be that woman's right-hand man, and she's nowhere to be found. He's probably... Well, isn't he with Q? He is, but right. I mean... Right, so they have to leave a trail of breadcrumbs to show where they're going, so they know where they are. I get that, but I mean, Tanner's just so involved in her life, I think, that he's probably... Oh, like, he has nothing to do. He's got too much free time right now. Yeah, it might be. He might just have his feet up. He might, he might be enjoying a bit of a rest. We see Q <laughs> doing the whole trail of breadcrumbs things while Tanner and he are discussing what they're doing and how it's important not to be found out. <laughs> and, uh, and Mallory walks in. Right. And he's like, no, 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 don't let me stop you. This is fine. I was never here. <laughs> and backs out of the room. Yeah. We cut to Bond gazing dramatically over the moors. <laughs> and Em's like, oh, is this where you're from? Yeah, he says, it's my old stomping grounds. Yeah, she tries small talk and he's not playing it. He's like, you know all of this. Why are you asking? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that she's trying to sort of fill the void of space that's sort of between them. But he's like, no, I'm just going to let you be a little uncomfortable. Yeah, or maybe she's just trying to get him to open up a little bit. Maybe. And then she says, very empathetically, orphans make the best recruits. <laughs> yes. And we get a glimpse into the Bond family home. When they pull up to the driveway, I'm like, who shovels that? Kincaid. He's actually only like 36. <laughs> he's just been shoveling so much. He's like No, it wasn't down. Kincaid. Well, I don't know who's currently doing it. I don't, I don't know who's currently doing it, but um, Kincaid was the gamekeeper. Which is... He hunted on the land. He's Hagrid? I don't understand. Like I think a gamekeeper would like hunt the land um, and bring out hunting parties and things like that. It doesn't sound like much of a job, does it? No. I don't know. Probably wonder if, had wonder other... if it pays well. Well, not really into shooting animals, but yeah. still. Anyways. And it turns out Kincaid's still there. He shows up with a shotgun. One thing, too, though, as they approach, Em looks at the house from the outside. She's like, Christ, no wonder you never came back. It's creepy. The house is beautiful. Like, it's, sure, it's creepy because it's a gray day and that it's not very well lit, but I'm like, what's she talking about? I'd live there. And she later on says this beautiful old home... You're like, well, make up your mind. Do you like the place or not? A house can be a beautiful old home and still be creepy. Yeah, I don't really think it's creepy. Mm. Well, you can live there. I don't want to live there. Well, it's not there anymore because it got blown up. That's true. Uh, spoilers. They apparently played around with the idea of getting Connery to play Kincaid. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which would have been pretty neat. But I guess, yeah. they thought they'd have to explain it too much, I guess. Be like, oh, well, is he the old Bond? Like, what's the deal? He could just be playing a different character. Doesn't have to be that complicated. But... Well, people aren't smart, though. True. It yeah. probably would have confused me. They'd look too far into it, I think. Probably, yep. He meets Em, though, and he's like, nice to meet you, Emma. <laughs> like, okay. I just like it. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, I heard what your name is, but I'm not going to use it. Again, he might think it was, like, short for Emma. They're calling her M E M. That would be your assumption. Not that they're calling her the letter M. So we see Bond uh, asking Kincaid about all the guns. They've all been sold. The house was sold. Bond was dead. Yeah. All been sold except for one gun, which was his father's hunting rifle, and then, of course, the gun that Kincaid has. Yeah. So he takes it out of the range. (laughs) 
Kincaid's like, careful now, that gun pulls to the left. And Bond's just like, I'll do my best. Which is a nice little, nice little funny moment for him. Um, at one point, Kincaid calls him a jumped up little shit. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. It's just that thing of people who've known you forever. And no matter how cool you think you are in your current life, they will be able to cut your legs out from under you. True. Kincaid gives Anne a little tour. And he's like, oh, it's a beautiful... Oh, she says it's a beautiful old house. And he says, like, all oh, great ladies, she has her secrets. I like that because I think he's referring to M as well, mm-hmm. which I like. And then, uh, yeah, he shows her 007's hidey hole and, and <laughs> tells her the story about when James's parents died and, and where he went and he hid in there for a couple of days or something. Just reminds me more of like Batman because Batman discovered the bats. He was hiding in the bat cave, that, which he ended up becoming his fortress kind of thing in whichever version of Batman you're watching. It's just a little similar. And of course, as they're showing the little hidey hole and they start the prep for the Home Alone sequence, it's very Batman music. So there's a lot of Batman in this, I think. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with Batman. Hmm. Um, so they start, like you say, the Home Alone sequence where they're prepping the house for the wet bandits. Um, <laughs> and... They're basically gathering all that they can to make weapons uh, and defend the house. Bond finds dynamite. Who has dynamite in their house? Yeah, I kind of wondered about that too. Maybe... I guess maybe for blowing up tree stumps. But oh, it's... I was thinking fishing. <laughs> Who have you been fishing with? Uh, I haven't personally, but it's a thing. I know, but <laughs> anyway, I thought blowing up tree stumps, but there were like no trees around. So... Well, maybe that's why, because they had a lot of dynamite. Kincaid is sawing the barrel off of his shotgun. For Make a sawed-off shotgun. More of a close-range weapon. And Bond is putting things up in the windows. He's boarding up the windows. And then Kincaid's in the other room blowing a hole in the wall with his shotgun. I don't know if he's in, like, a shed or, like, that little room off to the back. But I just kind of I liked it because Bond is boarding things up. And then Kincaid's just shooting holes in the wall. You're like, no, no, I'm trying to board things up. Stop shooting holes everywhere. Mm. So he has, a little, he has a little aside with M, and M is just very blunt, and she's just like, I fucked this up, didn't I? Which is really kind of direct for her. I like it. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, no, you did your job. And then he basically changes the subject so they don't get into the whole, I, what I feel, so they don't get into the whole, like, we're too old for this stuff. And he's like, oh, I read your obituary. <laughs> oh, what did you think? And he's like, it was appalling. <laughs> so it was nice. Uh, and the goon squad arrives. Yeah, I mean, Silva's men are probably exhausted from that walk down the driveway. They probably, like, <laughs> like leaned on the Aston and take a breather. Yeah, why did they have to park so far away? I think they are trying to be stealthy, but obviously it didn't work. Hmm. So Bond is hiding in his tricked-out car, which they don't know as he approached the house. Right. They're about to blow the door. He shoots them up. And they blow up the door anyways. Um, he shoots up, up a bunch of people and... A couple guys go in, and Kincaid immediately shoots him, saying, Welcome to Scotland. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. He's badass. I kind of wish he was in the movie a little bit more. Yeah, I liked Kincaid. He was probably one of my favorite characters in this film. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big impression for such a small... I mean, it's Albert Finney. He's awesome. So. I just liked him. Lots of shooting, more shooting, and the psychological warfare speakers uh, on the chopper show up, and start playing boom 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 which isn't that a johnny lee hooker song yeah yeah exactly that, that wasn't the one that was playing no, but... i was like man it would have been cool if they did that though yeah i mean it's like i think it's a british rock or something i forget who did it but probably the Yardbirds or something okay but yeah i was like oh it would have been so much cooler if we did uh johnny lee hooker 
but whatever. Maybe they couldn't get the rights? Well, I think the impact of like a full band over like John Lee Hooker sort of stripped down. I don't think it would have the same sort of sonic impact. I thought maybe if it was Johnny Lee Hooker, they would have rushed out of the house and been like, cool song, dude. <laughs> and then he could have shot them all. Bond notes that Silva always needs to make an entrance, which is pretty appropriate. Mm-hmm. So Bond is shooting at the chopper as it's sort of getting closer and they decide to land. And Silva just, I was going to say Sylvia, Silva just walks around the house lobbing in grenades. Mm-hmm. And just as he sort of walks away from his group, he says, don't touch him. He's mine. Which, fuck that. Like, if like whenever they say that, it never works out. Because, you know, the hero always fights the bad guy at the very end, and it never works out. So it should have been just, like, shoot to kill and get it over with. Mm. But whatever. So at this point, M and Kincaid are running down the hidey hole. Yeah. The um, Bond orders them to get to the chapel. I guess the hole comes out and there's a chapel on the land. <laughs> get to the chapel. Yeah. Because they're... Oh, they should have played Going to the Chapel. <laughs> it would have been so appropriate. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Um, I At first, it's like, why are they walking so slowly? It was really frustrating me. <laughs> I have a bit of an issue with super slow walkers, but it turns out M had been shot, so... Yeah, it's a little perforated. It's a little difficult to walk. Fair. I'll give her that. Uh, they end up blowing up the Aston, and now Bond is mad. Yeah. He, yeah, he really gets kind of pissed. So he, he's just, what, well, he gears up a couple of propane tanks for one corner of the house to blow up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sets the house to blow. Sets the house to blow. Just before he sticks his head in the priest hole, he says, I always hated this place. Closes the door and kaboom. Kaboom. Well, he sets it to kaboom and then he runs for a bit. But... And then it kabooms. Hmm. Silas? Nope. <laughs> and it's written and I'm looking at it. <laughs> Well, I do have Silas here. So. Yeah. Silva survives the destruction of the house, following Kincaid and M to the chapel. Confronting M, Silva forces his gun into her hand, into her hand, and presses his temple to hers, begging her to kill them both. Bond arrives and kills Silva by throwing a knife into his back. M then succumbs to her wounds and dies in Bond's arms. Following M's funeral, Money Penny formally introduces introduces herself to Bond and tells him she is retiring from fieldwork to become secretary for Mallory, the newly appointed M. Bond meets with Mallory and tells him he's ready to get back to work. So not only, so, so Bond was really mad about the Aston, but now Silva is really mad that the house blew up because he thinks everyone's dead, I think, and he can't get to them. Hmm. But then he sees M and Kincaid in the distance right. and gives chase. And Bond runs funny after M to try to catch up. They're, the goon squad's making their way towards the chapel, and just like a raptor would, Bond attacks from the side. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> I, I didn't think of that, but yeah, I guess you're right. He sort of runs, jumps, kicks that guy in the side of the head. He doesn't even see him coming, and that's it. And then takes off across the ice. Right. He's a little hesitant about it, though, which I like. He's like, mm, fuck, do I want to do this or not? And then he's like... Okay. Like, eh, it looks cold if I go through that. Yeah. It's been a long day already. But then Silva catches him up, which is hilarious because he's like, see what comes from all this running around? It's exhausting. He's like, 
punching and kicking. Like he just he's just complaining about having to be physical versus like I could do all this from my computer. Right. Like he's yeah. the guy who sits behind the computer and destroy worlds. So this is not the kind of work he wants to be doing. Yeah, I just really like Silva's humor in this one. Silva is not on the ice, but sends one of his henchmen after Bond. Right. Um, and to get away, Bond ends up shooting all the ice around them and they collapse into the cold water. Yeah. Silva figures he's dead. Yeah. And he sort of goes, oh, my God. <laughs> and then he walks away like, why did you do that? And it's kind of interesting. I think he's still kind of rooting for Bond a little bit at that point. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Bond uh, is in a big fight with a dude underwater. This is a little confusing because... Once Bond chokes the guy out, I guess he chokes him out around his knee, which I thought was kind of strange. He can't find the way out. So he swims down to the guy, and for some reason, the guy had a flare gun on him? Why would you have a flare on you? I don't... Uh, if they were, like, on a mission to kill people and they all got separated, or maybe, like, if you have M, shoot up a flare kind of thing? I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what their, like, conversation was before they went into action. Yeah, who brought the flares? Uh, Jim, you got the flares? Yeah, I got them. Okay, good. Just in case you get stuck underwater, you'll know how to get it. It's just, it's just really weird. I didn't quite get that part. Bond can't find the hole, uses the flare, and gets out. It's my fear. Fair. That's a legitimate fear, especially when the water's like super, super cold. We see Bond's parents' tombstone. Right. I didn't know his mother was French. Yes. Is she from Louisiana? No. <laughs> She's from some other french place i can't remember it just sounds like a very louisiana last name what was it again delacroix i don't remember where she's from we'll have to look that up <laughs> that's our first one of this episode is it yeah usually there's like eight by now silva enters the church where m and kincaid are and is very upset that M is bleeding. <laughs> what did they do to you? It's like, I don't know. What did your goons that you directed them do? It's like, it's your fault, stupid. He's really going through some weird thing with M. Like, yeah. he has mommy issues and yeah. he's projecting onto her. Like, I don't know. He's not all right. He must have almost have daddy issues, too, because he almost shoots Kincaid when he walks back in the room and then tells him not to move. Yeah. Which was like, nice that Kincaid doesn't get dispatched. Yeah. For some reason, we, well, like before we got to this part, in my head, because I said that, oh, if Kincaid hadn't died, M and right. Kincaid should have hooked up. And you just kind of looked at me funny. So I guess for some reason, I blocked <laughs> out that M died in this film. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I still think they would have hooked up. And we only saw it a year ago, too. So uh, Okay, that's, I just forgot. <laughs> so he, he puts his head against hers and gives, or puts her hand on the trigger of the gun and says, just Put us both out of our misery. Yeah. Again, he's going through something. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, is he assuming her skull is not very thick? Like, I don't know if that would do it. I think it depends on the caliber of the gun. I guess. And Bond knifes him in the back. Yeah, Bond busts in the room and throws a knife. And it's, I guess it would be the same knife that was on the table when they were sort of surveying the weapons they had. Yeah, because they did make a comment about it. Something about the old way... Sometimes the old ways are the best ways. Yeah, something like that in, in reference to the knife. Right. Bond then says he's the last rat standing in reference to Silva's stupid rat story from earlier. Yeah, which is interesting because my note here says some things are better done the old-fashioned way, which was the shaving bit. And ice cream. Mm-hmm. Ice cream is better old-fashioned ice cream. like. Oh, I'm not sure what you're going for there. So between the knife being... 
sometimes the old ways are the best ways, and then some things are done the old-fashioned way. I honestly thought this time, I don't know why, I forgot about the rat line. I thought he was going to say something about the old-fashioned way of dispatching somebody with throwing a knife to the back. But uh, Rat Line's also a really good podcast. The first season's a lot better than the second. I don't think I listened to the second. It's really good, but the first season, the first series of it, more of a series than a season, but the first series is really, really good. Bond rushes to M because she's slowly dying. I don't think he realized she was injured at all at that point. And uh, she's like, oh, I guess it's too late to make a run for it. And he's like, well, I'm game if you are, which is really sweet that they have their sort of moment on her deathbed. Yeah, she collapses in his arms. It's just a little sad because she was basically like fighting for her job, fighting to prove she's relevant, and she just dies in the line of duty, essentially. It is sad, but it's a nice way to sort of give her a send-off. Because M... M 2.0, well, actually, not even 2.0, it's probably like 6.0. Mallory says to her, you know, you should end your career with dignity. Well, she is sort of ending it on a high note. She's taking out this big baddie kind of guy, and she is dying as a result of him being there as well. So she does, it's kind of vindication for her to die in the, in the line of duty. I guess. So M is dead. We cut to Bond on a rooftop. And Money Penny comes to find him and lets him know that M left him something in her will. <laughs> yeah. Which was the bulldog from right. her desk. Yeah, the Royal Dalton bulldog. And I'm sure he likes it. I'm sure he's kind of pleased with it, but at the same time. Well, he has a little chuckle about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why he hates it so much, but. It's just a stupid figurine, I guess. I guess. Um, it needs dusting. Those things are really annoying. <laughs> and then there's this weird moment where Bond's like, oh, we've never been properly introduced. She's like, Eve Moneypenny. And you're like, supposed to be like, oh my God, this is Moneypenny? It fell flat for me, that moment. Well, I mean, they've been on two missions together. He met her at MI6. It would have came up at that point. They slept together in Shanghai. It would have came up. Well, he obviously knows who she is. It's just the formal introduction wasn't made, and obviously yeah. that's all for the audience. But it was just, I don't know. I didn't think, that, like, if that had happened, like, post him coming back from the dead, I think it would have made more sense than here yeah. at the end. Because I can see, like, on the mission, we've never been formally introduced. Like, oh, you shot me. We've never been formally introduced. Like, that would have made more sense than this moment for me. Yeah, I mean, when they were looking for the knocklist or trying to keep tabs on it, maybe they could have just been thrust in, thrust into that mission together. I kind of got the impression that they were sort of partners on that yeah. one. But, I mean, so that wouldn't make any sense. But if they were just sort of in separate places and ended up together and then everything went the way it was and then he was shot, sure. And then when he does finally meet her in MI6, like you said, no, it makes so much more sense. Yeah. No, they've had a whole story arc together. And they just chuck it in the end last minute. Yeah, it was strange. It was um, really kind of clumsy. And then Rory lets Bond know that M is ready to see him. He kind of comes out of the office like a little shocked or out of breath or something. It's weird. You're like, no, I don't think. <laughs> I won't. We, don't, we can't do this <clears throat> on video. I won't explain what gesture that was. <laughs> Uh, Bond gets handed a new top secret mission from Mallory, and he says, are you ready to get back to work? 
With pleasure, M. With pleasure. And then we get the gun barrel? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's weird because I actually really like this movie. I do really enjoy it. It feels almost like you've seen two movies to the point where I actually thought oh, yeah, these were right, two right. separate movies. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, the one with uh, Javier on the island and then the one when he goes to the house and you're like, no, that's the same film. Like it really feels like two different films to me, but I still, <laughs> yeah, I still really like it. I do really enjoy this movie. Um well, it's kind of nice that it takes in two different places. Like, obviously, Bond films take in numerous places. But, I mean, it, it is kind of nice that there's this sort of... It's almost like two breaks. Because the the pre-title where he dies and all that stuff is really very much its own thing. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and then Silva. So, it, it's like... It, it definitely has, like, three distinctive, distinctive parts. Yeah. And I also like that it's not the typical Bond with the beautiful women. I mean, there's beautiful women in the film. But that's not the... Like the plot point of the movie, and like you said, M is the Bond girl, the Bond girl in in this film. Yeah, for sure. So I do like it. I feel like it's a bit different. And after you mentioned that they went home alone in the house, kind of <laughs> it kind of knocked it down a peg for me. Um, so thank you for that. You're welcome. But yeah, no, I do really enjoy the film. I also ruined Quantum for you as well. <sighs> I forgot about You're that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I do really like Silva as a villain. Yeah. He plays the part really well. He plays the part really well. He's funny. Like, you can't, you're you not rooting for him, but you can't help but like his weirdness a little bit. Yeah, there are definitely some Bond villains where you kind of root for. I mean, he's definitely not one of them, but he is super likable. And he's, his humor's right on the money. Like, he's yeah. re- he is pretty funny in this. He's actually a, a fair bit funnier than Bond. Bond isn't very funny in this one. And I think like we were saying we didn't remember the first films being this funny and it's maybe because later on they're not. Spectre is a little bit more funny. He's a little more Roger in that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh what were your thoughts on the film? I yeah, this one's it's pretty great. I really enjoy it. It is the home alone thing is is just a bit of fun, I guess. And it's pretty short-lived, so it's like it it's I think it's, I don't want to put this back on you, but it, but if, I've said it in the past too, like if you're going to let, I don't mean you specifically, but if, if as a viewer, if, it you're, feels if, you're, gonna, if you're going to, fair, there's no way to say it at this point. If you're going to let something like that ruin the film for you, then that's really more on the viewer than the filmmaker, I think. I didn't say it ruined it. It just knocked it down a peg. Oh, still. Um, you don't know how many pegs there are. <laughs> yeah, I... I really like Silva. He's very different for a Bond villain. It's not quite like anything we've seen. Um, the whole flirtiness with Bond when he first meets him is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And all of his, all of Silva's interactions with M are just really on the money and really bizarre. Like you don't know what his deal is, and you don't never really figure it out other than mommy issues. But that's painting it with a pretty wide brush. Um, I think it's a little more complex than that, but it's still all over the place, and it is absolutely crazy. But That was just making me think about Dr. Evil. <laughs> is Dr. Evil? Has this whole thing about his daddy not loving him? No, that was Austin. Daddy wasn't there? Yeah, I thought that was... That's Austin. Okay, well, still... 
you still have that moment of like having weird parental issues. True. Yeah. Which comes up in the next one. Oh, right. With that weird reveal that's just completely dumb. <laughs> it's a little silly, yeah. Yeah. And they're not really brothers. It's just like, oh, I knew you. My dad liked you more. So it's, it's pretty strange. Yeah. I think your dad likes me more than you. Yeah, maybe. If he has any brains at all, he'd like you way more than me. I'm just kidding. Probably wouldn't even talk to me anymore if he had any brains. Why? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? I'm just playing up to your nonsense. I said I was just kidding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am quite likable, but... <laughs> whatever. Don't um, whatever. You like me sometimes. For the most part. It is definitely... I feel that like Judy Dench is the Bond woman in this, for sure. Can we talk about the times you don't like me off mic after? No. So, um, yeah, she puts in a pretty solid performance. She's doing, she's really into that character, which is nice that she ends it on a high note for sure. It's a low note. She gets stabbed and and kind of bleeds out, but whatever. She's pretty badass in this. And actually, this is the most physical she gets in, I think, in any of them, even in the... The most hands-on, yeah. Yeah, even in the, even in the Pierce era, although it's a different M, but... I guess you could say she ends it, like, she dies ultimately, but she ends her career on a high note in the sense that she used herself as bait. Like, she ultimately sacrificed, she ultimately sacrificed herself to catch a villain. Right. That had the power to oust, like, all of their, um, who had the power to oust all of their agents. Like, she sacrificed herself, essentially. So, I guess, yes, it is a high note that she's ending it on in the sense that she will be remembered for that. And not the fact that she almost got, I don't know what the word is, impeached. Yeah, booted out of office, like forced retirement, which is what they were going to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I really like uh, Mallory stepping up because you just sort of see him as a pencil pusher at first. And then they sort of allude that he used to be an agent of some sort and then... An agent of sass. (laughs) And then when things kick off, he's given a gun and he does quite well with it. He doesn't cower in a corner. Like, he does take action. I would be cowering in a corner, more than likely. (laughs) And it is nice, too, that he carries on that sort of agenda through Spectre as, as well. I like him as M, and I really hope he sticks around even after Craig is done. It would be mm-hmm. awesome to see him stick around after Craig. It would be nice if Craig was M. <laughs> Maybe in a few years, yeah. It could work. <laughs> Plus, too, they, they sort of harken back to what M used to be like. So he's got, like, the, the old-school office um with all the leather bound books that smell of mahogany, mahogany. and um he's got like the padded leather door and everything like uh bernard lee used to have so it's cool that they have like all belinda that. no not like belinda like bernard lee okay. <laughs> it's a little different it's a lot different actually what what do you think of her introduction to q i mean he's not original q but i'm okay with him mm. well original q he's not like our regular q <laughs> right and he's better than John Cleese? I feel like John Cleese wasn't given a very long chance. True. Um, I think with the right bond, he could have been a nice comic relief. Yeah. But I do like the chemistry between Craig and this guy. Well, I think that... I mean, it's very much that feeling of the like millennials versus the gen zers where you're like annoyed at a lot of stuff that they do and say but and they're annoyed at everything we do and say well he's like picking on him but his acne he's like oh you still have spots and all that kind of stuff yeah i think he fits well because 
the films of the Craig era are pretty dry, other than Casino, which was, like we said, was actually more funny than we remember. But he's pretty dry, like Craig is, so I think he fits in. He's not hilarious. He's not too silly. And Inspector, he's there, and he's still not too crazy. So I think he's a good fit. He's actually not silly at all. He's just super serious, which makes it kind of funny at times. Right. Yeah. It's a very different relationship than Desmond. Is that his name? Yeah. That's true because they have sort of this like father-son kind of... You're like changing the generational gap. You're true. flipping it essentially. But <clears throat> I don't get the reverse of it though. I don't really see it as a father-son thing. No, but that age gap is still there. Oh, well, you just mean the age gap. That makes sense. Next episode that we release, it's going to be our last film until... Well, it'll be our last Bond film until No Time to Die. Yeah. But we'll do some films here and there. Yeah, it'll be our last Bond film. Um, are you, like, feeling sad about it? Are you excited about it? Not really. I'm looking forward to, like, moving on to something a little different. Yeah. If Possibly shorter uh, episodes. <laughs> possibly, yeah. We should put a little less work. Um, we should possibly talk about this next episode, but... If you were going to rewatch one Bond film, like, and re-review it after having seen, like, the whole catalog, which one would you choose? I'm going to say From Russia With Love, because I don't feel like we paid it the respect that it deserves. I think I was mostly confused during right. that one. Yeah. Um, I hadn't seen it in ages, because it's pretty dark, so it, it obviously isn't one that I jumped to first, but I mean, it's pretty amazing. And I think that is definitely one that we should probably revisit at some point. Who knows when that's going to happen. But yeah. And your thoughts? Um, I think I would either do Living Daylight or Dr. No, just because I have, like, I hold Dr. No on this pedestal. And I just want to see if it would stand up against the test of time. For, like, having seen all the films, would I still feel the same way about it? Hmm. And the Dalton one, it's the same, well, not quite the same idea, but just because I really enjoyed that one and wasn't expecting to. Right. I'd just like to see it again to see if I still felt the same way. I think Dr. No would, I think it would still work for you. I think so too. But I've been disappointed before in life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a few hokey things with it, with like the danger wheel and that kind of stuff. But I think for the most part, it's... And the dragon. <laughs> well, I mean, that was more of an issue for me. But if you go back and... If you look at the book, apparently that's exactly what the dragon was. It was like an armored tractor. It wasn't a tank. It was a literally a tractor equipped with metal plating, I guess. So not that I read it, but apparently that's what it was. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's some questionable race-related stuff in it. Yeah, but that I, I do but remember. I mean, we've seen that. We know it's there, so you're kind of aware. It's it's done all practically, so I mean, there's no reason that it should, shouldn't stand up. And there's no, like, major, major stunts in it anyway. So, like, there's... And that's why I find where films really fall apart. Like, when they just have CGI or, or too much, like, campy model work or, or back projection. Like, yeah, I think everything in that movie works. You know, like, yeah, that's the only issue. He's, he's driving he's driving that car. It could be good. All right, so we're done? Uh, yeah, that's it. Wrapping it up. And we will be discussing Spectre in a couple weeks' time. Okay. Thanks for listening. Good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate, like, and subscribe. If you're looking for a little bit more content, you can find us on Instagram at another James Bond podcast 
And if you want to send us an email, which we would love to hear from you, you can contact us at anotherjbpod at gmail.com. About a little guy that lives in a blue world And all day and all night And everything he sees is just blue Like him inside and outside Blue his house with a blue little window And a blue Corvette And everything is blue for him And himself and everybody around Cause he ain't got nobody to listen to I'm blue, I've been deep, I've been dying, I've been